go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, crmw.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. Here we go, off and running on this 10th day of March, 2023. It's Friday on the front porch on the horn. Headon.live is, of course, where you go on the Internet to find us. That's an easy way, for instance, to uh, pick out your podcasting platform. But by the way, if you listen to the program via podcast, like and subscribe. Do it a lot. Leave comments. We really appreciate them. It's most helpful, you know. But if you do pop into the chat room this evening, uh, while right now, while the program is live, well, uh, you'll be greeted by early arrivers, Theo and Squeaky and Irish Dave, and capably moderated by longtime inveterate, indefatigable veteran chat room moderator Sparky, who, although he is a third-stage guild navigator, has declined to fold space and become man cave. He probably has very good reasons for that. And, of course, he is a, a capably assisted by Horn Chief Agronomist, Chief Mathematician, and Bud Trimmer Emeritus, Roger, in Oregon. Hi, I'm Robin, and I'm sorry about the slow upload of yesterday's podcast. I apologize sincerely. I had computer issues. Um, the Fab Machine has been a magnificent piece of computing hardware for, lo, these many years, but I'm beginning to... Well, my, I don't, I, I'm, I'm sensing a disturbance in the force. My spidey sense is tingling. And I just, well, I don't know. I hope it, I hope it holds up for quite a while yet and doesn't die precipitously. But it's been doing some weird things. And it was doing weird things last night when I was trying to upload the program. So my apologies. I did get it uploaded earlier. And there's Matt in San Francisco popping in. And there's Kid Mark. Uh, good afternoon to you both. Every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is, of course, no different. And so we say thank you to our 10th day of the month subscribers. We are, uh, uh, and, and that means uh, thank you to our pal Joe Vecchio, to Paul from Parts Unknown. Thank you to Daniel. Thank you so much to... Uh, Jude yesterday on the program. And by the way, just a reminder, uh, there is a challenge on the table. It went unmet last night, so we'll start over fresh here. Uh, there's a $100 challenge on the table. Uh, 
Actually, it's a $50 challenge. Anybody, if, if we can raise 50 bucks, that'll get us 100 and that will knock the uh, fundraising goal down by a total of 150 bucks. And so, uh, well, it would be great if we could do that because the fundraising hole is four digits, and that makes life a little bit difficult, especially with another horrifying power bill staring down my... Uh, Well, staring me down, I guess, is the best way to put it. So, uh, let's see. We did knock down, uh, we got down to like um, 890. And so that makes today's fundraising goal 1190. And it's, um, well... Time for me to go hat in hand to the power company. Oh, well. God, it'll be nice when it's not cold anymore. It really will be. So, like I said, it is Friday on the front porch. And here in about, oh, 55 minutes or so, we will go over the river and through the woods to the old holler tree that we sublet from the Keebler Elves and where we keep the extraordinary, ordinary round table around which we gather each and every Friday to cuss and discuss and see what... Uh, uh, what's on folks' minds? I'm, I'd be interested to hear. I, I hope uh, I hope our our dear friend, Brother Bishop Steve in Georgia, Stan, all around great guy. I hope uh, I hope he's not too worn out from a busy day to pop by the conversation this evening because I do. I want to I want to have a conversation with him about history of the world part two because I, I think well I don't think we're at odds. I think. I think he and I both wanted it to be a lot funnier than it is. It just kind of, or maybe, you know, it could be me. It, it, it could entirely be me, you know, t changing tastes or whatever, but oh, I wanted it to be awesome. And sadly, it is not awesome. But that's, you know, that's just one of those um uh, vain and not particularly breathtaking um, issues that we can address. Um, so, again... Uh, but we've got a, a challenge on the table. Fifty dollars gets us a hundred, and if we could get started on that pretty quickly, it would be wonderful. Right now, we're just starting uh, starting all over. Um, so, where to begin? We have lots of possibilities, lots of opportunities. I thought uh, we might go back a little bit. And uh, I'm looking for the particular story. 
Well, I, I mentioned yesterday in our truncated program that there was so much information in this DOJ report about the Louisville Police Department that it bore more than just a cursory mention. Here's another little nasty factoid. This is a brutal this is a brutal bunch there. The uh, DOJ found that the report was released Wednesday. Um, the report came after the I'm still calling it murder of Bria excuse me, Nickups. I pop in one of those little nicotine pouches and immediately does that to me. Um, no, the murder of Brianna Taylor. It is an in-depth report. And in point of fact, Merrick Garland uh, came out and actually didn't see his shadow indicating a possibility of an early spring. But he announced he, he announced the findings of the report, and I don't know. I just get sad every time I hear from him. We're going to jump in, and we're going to jump to Louisville, Kentucky, where Attorney General Merrick Garland is announcing the results of the Justice Department's investigation into the Louisville Police Department. Let's listen in. I also want to acknowledge Mayor Greenberg, Council President Winkler, and Interim Chief of Police Gwen Villaroyal. Thank you for joining us today. In 2020, LMPD officers shot and killed Brianna Taylor in her own home in the middle of the night. The officers were executing a search warrant but found no evidence of any crime. In a separate criminal case, we have charged that officers involved in obtaining the warrant knew that the affidavit that supported the warrant contained false and misleading information. Ms. Taylor's death brought immeasurable pain both to her family and to this community. In April 2021, our Civil Rights Division opened the pattern or practice investigation that I've just referenced. Shortly after we opened the investigation, an LMPD leader told the department, Brianna Taylor was a symptom of problems that we have had for years. The Justice Department's findings and the report that we are releasing today bear that out. The Department has concluded that there is reasonable cause to believe that Louisville Metro and LMPD engaged in a pattern or practice of conduct that violates the First and Fourth Amendments of the Constitution. There is also reasonable cause to believe that they engage in conduct that violates Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Safe Streets Act, and the Americans with Disabilities Act. Specifically, the report finds that LMPD uses excessive force, including unjustified neck restraints and the unreasonable use of police dogs and tasers, conducts searches based on invalid warrants, unlawfully executes warrants without knocking and announcing, unlawfully stops, searches, detains, and arrests people, unlawfully discriminates against black people in enforcement activities, 
violates the rights of people engaged in protected speech, critical of policing, and along with Louisville Metro, discriminates against people with behavioral health disabilities when responding to them in crisis. The Justice Department has also identified deficiencies in LMPD's response to and investigation of domestic violence and sexual assault. LMPD has relied heavily on pretextual traffic stops in black neighborhoods. In these stops, officers use the pretense of making a stop for a minor traffic offense in order to investigate for other crimes. Some officers have demonstrated disrespect for the people they are sworn to protect. Some have videotaped themselves throwing drinks at pedestrians from their cars, insulted people with disabilities, and called black people monkeys, animal, and boy. This conduct is unacceptable. It is heartbreaking. It erodes the community trust necessary for effective policing, and it is an affront to the vast majority of officers who put their lives on the line every day to serve Louisville with honor. And it is an affront to the people of Louisville who deserve better. What did you get out of that? This is my second time listening to that. For one, the quaver in his voice makes me think that he sounds like he's afraid of something. But secondly, when he says Louisville Metro PD engaged in this and that and did all these nasty things, and then he says, but the majority of Louisville cops are clean? Oh, come on, I was born at night, not last night. This report is so full of rotten behavior that, yeah, the whole department should be shut down. Every last one of them fired. And start fresh with something that isn't the present model. It continues to baffle me how, in civilized countries, police manage to go through the year without blowing people away. That in fact it's shocking when police actually shoot and kill someone in civilized countries. When police shoot and kill people in the United States of America, however, it's just a day that ends in Y. And so I don't know how you can say the vast majority of, of officers who go to work and serve honorably, blah, 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 in this shit stain of an organization. For pity's sakes, uh, in, in one instance, as Garland attested, they found out that the Louisville Metro PD had a habit of leaning, kneeing, kneeling on people's necks. Primarily people who happen to be black. Uh, in fact, one cop was found to have knelt on a man's neck for nearly two minutes. But the superior, a sergeant who, revo who reviewed the incident, said that uh, 
it didn't say anything wrong about the kneeling on the neck part, but did note, and I'm not kidding, that one of the officers on the scene broke a fingernail. I mean, a fingernail? Were they acrylic? Were they dipped? Or was this a regular fingernail? Because I hate it when they get chipped. But damn, really? Didn't notice the kneeling on the neck, but noticed that... <sighs> it just becomes... So damnably exhausting. And then there's the narcotics detective. Dirty as hell. Who got noted in this report for having, on multiple occasions... using the, 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 the leverage of charges against drug addicts to convince the addicts to fuck them. I mean, there's no sense in, there's no sense in trying to pretty it up. There's nothing pretty about it. It's, 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 it's vile. It's vicious. It's exploitative. And again, it was just another day on the Louisville Police Department. This particular detective was accused time after time after time of, after, of doing this. And he, you know, people, uh, women would be charged with possession of some illegal drug. And the guy would lean on them to get them to perform sex acts for him. This is so vulgar and so repulsive. So very copied. So the accusations piled up and eventually somebody decided to investigate him. But, oh well. He resigned before the investigation was complete. And according to the DOJ, having been allowed to resign, he was never charged for a single one of the acts that they know damned well he perpetrated. One woman accused a, a, a narcotics detective of having had sex with her daughter. After having charged her with drug possession. This filthy cop. Sent. Nude photo, photos. You know. Dick pics. To the girl. And then leaned on her with the threat of charges to get her to send nude photos to him. Speaking to the DOJ investigators, the, uh, the, the young woman said, if he's doing it to me, he's doing it to others. 
But the L- uh, the LMPD said, oh, we uh, we lost track of the victim and we closed the investigation. And never even looked for the other victims. How do you fix something like that? How do you repair that system? I submit you cannot. It cannot be done. When it's that deeply institutional. Total of four women came forward over the course of five years to describe what this filthy cop had done. And then, hand in glove, the prosecuting attorney said, well, we can't prosecute him. Uh, Statute of limitations is run on most of the charges. Oh, well. It won't not happen again. But there's a... uh, There's another little piece of audio that I'm quite fond of because it's nice to see people standing up against the thugs and bullies of the Republican right. There was a hearing Wednesday in the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. And, well, in that committee, Oklahoma Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, that, that, no, that really is, that's really his first name. Mom and Dad couldn't pick one, pick out, they couldn't settle on one, so he became Mark Wayne, M-A-R-K-W-A-Y-N-E, Mark Wayne Mullen. Then, of course, being a Republican, he's a dick. I know, complicated political term there. And Mark Wayne Mullen decided that he was going to uh, go after the president of the Teamsters, Sean O'Brien. I got to think my buddy Rick Smith was really proud of the way O'Brien handled himself in this clip. Because Mark Wayne Mullen tried to bully him. And the president of the Teamsters bullied right back. Because Mark Wayne Mullen used that same old slimy, tawdry tactic, that shitty little uh, little jab of claiming that the president of the Teamsters union used union dues to pay his salary. It's gross. And this crap has been going on for well over a hundred years. The coal bosses tried it with John L. Lewis back in the day. And John L. Lewis said, My members want me to dress this way because they want they want to know that when I sit down with you, 
that I am an equal of you and not a servant to you. Now, there's a famous quote from John L. Lewis, it ill behooves, oh, i got to remember. Oh, uh, Matt in San Francisco, with regard to Garland's voice, Merrick has a strange affectation when he speaks. It has always bothered me because the man is saying such heavyweight and serious things, but his speech pattern makes me imagine there's a guy off, a, off camera pointing a gun at him. It reads fear. I have to mentally adjust for that when I listen to him. I try to cut him slack because I have the voice of a 15-year-old girl and I'm often mistaken. God, if I, you have no idea. If only I did. And I'm often mistaken for a woman on the phone. So who am I to assign so much weight to a person's voice? I've got the same kind of sense. You know, I sound like a tropical bird these days. But... I, I, is that what it is, Matt? Is it an affectation? I mean, this guy sat on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals where there's not there's not a position that speaks with much more authority than that. Maybe it's maybe it's because of all those years where he just sat listening to appeals and answered in writing and I don't know. But the problem is I see him and I don't Ah, oh, and I know Joy in Ann Arbor is going to go, "Yep." And Flavio is going, "Uh-huh." When I hear Merrick Garland, I do not hear a man who inspires my confidence that he has the starch to go after a pissant thug like Donald Trump. And I'm having a hard time deciding if that's me or that's him. Or some combination of the two. And going back to the cops, Randy Radar says, you wouldn't have the D.C. Metro Police protect the president, so why do you have local and state police protecting politicians and judges? You won't get justice for minorities until you decouple the police from the politicians and the judges. Well, the Supreme Court has the U.S. Marshals. And The state police in the several states are usually the most well-trained law enforcement officers. But I get your point. And yes, reminder from Randy, the police are the biggest, the biggest gang in town. The biggest, baddest, toughest gang in town. Pretty much anywhere in America. But back to the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee in the Senate... Where, by the way, Bernie is the chair. And when Mark Wayne Mullen got into it with Teamsters President Sean O'Brien, it got ugly pretty damn quickly. And O'Brien didn't start it. And Mullen was not up to the task. He came off sounding. Looks, well, he came off sounding like the asshole that he is. 
You're out of line. Let him answer Actually, the question. Actually, I have it, and don't tell me I'm out you of line. You're out of line. Don't tell me I'm out of line. Well, you, you, you frame, don't tell me. I'm frame, you frame, you frame the statement. You need to shut your guy. mouth yeah. because you don't know you're what you're talking about. You're going to tell me to shut my mouth? Yes, I did. Hold it. Hold it. Tough guy. I'm not afraid of physical. Hold it. But don't sit there and tell me I'm out of line. We hold greedy CEOs like yourself accountable. You call me a greedy CEO. Oh, yeah, you are. You want to attack my salary, I'll attack yours. Here, what did ahead. you make? What did you make when you owned your company? When I made my company, I kept my salary down at about uh, 50000 a year because I invested every penny into it. Okay. All right. You mean you hid money? No, I didn't hide. Bang. Because that's what these dirtbags do. Oh, I plowed it all back into the business. He hid money. Oh. oh. Hold on a second. Okay. Call he said that's out of line. You said right, I was out We're even. We're, he's, even. He's, he's, we're not even. We're not even close to being even. Didn't they give you a little tingle? And this went on for a while, and Bernie's over there banging that gavel. Boys, boys. And there is no reason why the president of a, un of a union should ever take any disrespect whatsoever from some POS Republican senator who despises, despises working people as a uh, matter of course. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he would have said that, wouldn't he? Cowbell for Steve in New York. As Marty Brenneman would have said, Sean O'Brien beat him like a tied-up goat. I've, I've heard Marty Brenneman say that. Around here we'd say he beat him like he owed him money. Beat him like a barred mule. And the guy probably doesn't have the, the, the brain power to realize that he doesn't want, he doesn't want any more of Sean O'Brien. Meanwhile, back in the world of, court, of the court system, Michael Flynn, traitor to the United States of America, foreign agent, supporter of insurrection, pardoned convicted felon, is now suing the United States government, that would be you and me, we the people, for $50 million. Really? Guy has some brass. Back in 2016, the FBI investigated Michael Flynn during the Obama administration because the FBI suspected that he had ties to Mavrasha. Then in 2017, of course, he pled guilty to lying to the FBI about his Russian contacts. Remember, he had headed the Defense Intelligence Agency, and of course, Nitwit Nero pardoned him. The court filing says this lawsuit seeks accountability and damages against the United States for these wrongs committed against General Flynn through its agents and agencies. That it was wrong and malicious to prosecute him and a gross abuse of process.
Whatever happened to the notion that when you accept a pardon, you have to also accept the fact that you're fucking guilty? In the Addamnum Clause, they say that he seeks compensatory damages of an amount expected to exceed $50 million. Now, that's compensatory damages, y'all. That means that's money he lost. So he's going to have to prove where he would have made the money from. I mean, Mother Russia? Turkey? Huh? Where? Uncle Nitwit? So the suit is against uh, the DOJ, the FBI, the uh, former special counsel Robert Mueller, former FBI director James Comey, and, of course, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Because back, I know, it seems a long time ago now, but back before... Republicans all started grunting and braying and bleeding and barking about Hunter Biden. Well, their their fixation, their fetish before Hunter Biden was Peter Strzok and Lisa Page for entirely bullshit reasons. And according to according to Michael Flynn, in his own uh, estimation, he was a Hands-on disruptor at DIA criticized the politicization of the intelligence community. Uh, so like I said, this has some brass to it. You prosecuted me. You convicted me. The conviction stood. But I was pardoned by a guy who is a traitor against his own country, too. So pay me $50 million. How much, how, how much would you give to be on that jury? I hope they tell him to GTFO. $50,000 salary, asked Stephen New York, maybe, but I guarantee you he kept 100% of the equity in that company and never gave any to the employees. Oh, and guess what? He sold the business to a private equity firm for $31 million. I'll bet Mr. Job Creator never never gave a dime to the people who built his company. Of course not. He's a free market Republican free marketeer. You have a point, Matt, Matt in San Francisco. Uh, subject line, Merrick Garland. I... W- I wish Garland sounded like special counsel Jack Smith looks. Talk about BD energy. He floods my basement. (laughs) Matt. Hey, not wrong. Um, Hmm, tech issues. We'll see if we can, we'll see if we can get some, uh, uh, some help for you via the Brain Trust, Barbara. I had a note from Barbara here. Um, even though my internet connection is working, for some reason your program stops streaming on my phone and my iPad. I haven't been able to hear you live for months. I can't get you on my computer ever since I updated Windows. I can only listen to the podcast with a sad face. I'm sorry, Barbara. Uh, 
I don't know what that would possibly be. But we'll try to find out. Brain Trust, would you get on it, please? Stand by. Okay, and uh, wow, up in Michigan. Thank you, Lori. Thank you so much, Lori. Lori just met our kind uh, Internet Friends Challenge and doubled it, so we are actually $200 now, $200 uh, toward closing out a pretty much week-long uh, week, week fundraising hole. So we were at 1180, now we're down at 980. And gosh, if we could close the hole this this week, today, for the hole for this week, if we could do that, and Lori's given us a great start. Uh, then maybe I can get the power company and the loan company off my back. I hope. Oh, it looks like uh, looks like Sparky's gotten a delivery. That looks fun. Uh, be nice to be. Civilization must be a real blast. And from the Department of Assholes Who Don't Understand why, uh, How Things Work, we have here representing Mike Collins on the House floor. <sighs> Blaming. I wish I was kidding. Diversity, equity, and inclusion for causing the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Jesus, these people. Pete Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg has shown that he is unfit to lead the Department of Transportation and must resign immediately. He has abandoned his department's mission of improving safety, technology, and efficiency of our infrastructure in favor of promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. His policies have continuously put the wokes before the folks, and we are oh, again seeing the consequences. After seeing another Norfolk Southern train derailed this weekend, I was reminded of the fact that the company... Another dumbass, cracker-ass, redneck dickweed who can't say Norfolk. The Norfolk High School cheer. We neither smit that we, we we neither smoke, nor drink, nor folk. Nor folk. Sure, Mike Collins. And he wrote to shareholders, stating that it is focused on DEI. 
This administration's focus on DEI is forcing private companies to rethink their goals. And one has to wonder, was Norfolk Southern's DEI policies are directing resources? He sounds like he might have a hard time understanding and saying the words what's wrote in front of him. Yeah, that didn't have anything to do with the gross negligence and the willful wanton recklessness of Norfolk Southern, which, incidentally, their union employees were begging us, begging America to take seriously. It's all about the wokeness. You remember a long time ago when we had a conversation about people who fly the Confederate flag? Remember that? And we came to the conclusion that as obnoxious it is as it is, we're glad these guys do that, these people do that, because it, you know, it's a way of them letting us know who they are. It's the same with woke now. And given the polling results that we mentioned the other day, that somewhere around 60% or more, and and more than that among Democrats, but a third of Republicans even, but 60% of people surveyed said to be woke is to be aware of the history and practices of this country and current realities and to be interested in correcting those problems. And so, of course, Mike Collins is going hammer and tongs because some right-wing chop shop has given him those talking points because clowns like Mike Collins are incapable of having original thoughts. A fact that is proven by his inability to have an original thought. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is, make no mistake, a damn good thing. But Christopher Rufo wants to go after it. So that means Republicans want to go after it. And frankly, it, it, their, their response to flying the Confederate flag, their response to affirmative action, their response to a simple two-sentence statement denouncing white nationalism and white supremacy. God, I loved that clip yesterday. He's call, She's calling the witness a white supremacist. Yeah, sure, Clanny Oakley. Beautiful. Woke before folks. Well, the bottom line is, this is that, too. Anytime you hear somebody blathering about woke, you can just look at him and go, Oh, why, this, this maggot POS is proudly announcing to the world that he is a stone-cold racist. Thanks for doing that. At least we know who we're dealing with. And thanks to Ralphs. Ralphs is putting forward a uh, Kayla on my iPad $25 challenge. Hi, Kayla. 
Get off Mama's iPad. It's touch sensitive, you know, and your little paws work on it. So that would get us down another 50 bucks. It would get us down to uh, 9.30 if somebody wants to match $25. Thank you. Thank you, Ralphs. Thanks a million. And there's there's no end of it. So there's a Kansas legislator, again, a maggot, a Republican. This clown's name is Pat Proctor. What, Pat Proctoscope? What? Sorry. Totally juvenile this afternoon. My apologies. Uh, maggot Republican Pat Proctor got butt hurt over a fourth grader's drawing. Yeah. And then he got, uh, and then and then he got all pissed off because he got caught. The way it worked out with this uh, this story, according to a publication called the Kansas Reflector, well. Uh, A fourth grade kid drew a picture, and it was a library project, saying that everybody was welcome in the David Brewer Elementary School Library. The picture? It's a flag. The rainbow trans flag with the red, with the pink, blue, and white in a triangle pointing from left to right. And underneath it, it said, every student can. And this little child said, be in the LGBTQ plus transgender community in the library. Sounds like Mama's doing a pretty good job teaching her child not to hate. Because maybe maybe this bear is repeating, but children are not born hateful. Children are not born knowing how to hate. Well, this just pissed Pat Proctor right off. He published a picture of the photo in, or a picture. He published a photo of the drawing in his February newsletter, and uh, covered up the little girl's name. And never sought permission from the parent. Whatever. Remember, remember, Republicans are all about braying and bleeding about parents' rights. Well, he appropriated, or to use the legal term, converted this little fourth grader's work. And published it in his February newsletter, as I said, uh, along with some barking and grunting about how wouldn't no child really draw something like that unless they was taught to? 
I find it impossible to believe that an entire grade of third graders and fourth graders, that would be grades, grades, plural, dickhead, all on their own, decided to draw rainbow flags and talk about LGBTQ and spell those things out in their artwork. I find it impossible to believe it was not the assignment and that they were not coached to do that by the teacher. That's just implausible in the extreme. No, it's not implausible at all. And you know what? If, 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 if they were having a lesson about not hating other children, good, good. Kansas needs more of that, please. But no, not according to Pat Proctor, because he's a he's 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 a Christian. And of course, uh, a, a library aide named Brandy Bond at the school said, "You know, this is the first year we've heard of any had any complaints about this stuff." Well, Brandy, that's because this is the new cause celeb uh, for the Republican Party. Believe you me, the Republicans would be a lot happier if they could do their barking and braying and grunting about the Jews. Or maybe openly calling for the repeal of the 13th Amendment. But it's not a great look anymore. And they can't use that one word that they desperately wish they could use each and every day. I don't understand why I ain't got no freedom to say that word. I ain't really got no freedom if I can't say that word ever. So he appropriated this picture and Mama got pissed. Courtney Reichard is the mama in question, and she said, I found it, and I was irate, because he didn't ask for permission, he bleeped out her name, which he thinks is acceptable, but you can't go to an art museum and print out a picture of someone's artwork without asking their permission. And then Proctor said, to, you know what? This wouldn't be a problem if she hadn't gone to the school board and started hollering about it. Nobody would have known whose picture it was. They're not, they're not, they're not the sharpest forks in the chandelier. But of course, at the end of his, at the end of his rant and his little, barely literate newsletter, he said, uh, "The reason this happened is because of a radical here it comes woke agenda." Radical woke agenda, woke sexualized agenda. You cannot tell me that all those third graders and fourth graders learned to do that from two gay parents that showed up at a school board meeting. And uh, Kristen Nussbaum, 
her partner, Tegan Andrews, are gay. And they've got several kids in the Leavenworth school system, one of them at that elementary school in particular. And uh, they've gotten into it with Proctor in the past because I guess uh, Proctor is the Kansas equivalent of, I don't know, my shitbird delegate, Tom Fast. And Ms. Nussbaum is pissed, too. She said, it's not anyone else's business to attack a child for their beliefs, ever. Keep your politics off my kids. Anyone, anybody want to take odds on whether he actually does that? Yeah. Oh, and of course, uh, Moscow Mitch McConnell. That uh, and and thank you for the help desk uh, uh, help desk information, Lee, in New York. I will forward that along to Barbara. Um, Mitch McConnell, fall down, go boom. I saw the news. McConnell falls. And the first thing that passed through my mind was, did he break a hip? He's from Kentucky. If he broke a hip, are they going to come and put him down on the track like they do at Churchill Downs? I'm so ashamed. But no, he apparently knocked himself senseless. He he fell down somehow. I don't know. Maybe 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 he was maybe he was uh, carrying another one of, them, uh, one of them awards that he gets all the time. You know, where he poses in front of the Confederate flag. But he was at a dinner, and he tripped, and he fell, and he hit his head. And they have uh, they kept him in the hospital for observation. And somewhat, sometime after announcing his fall down, go boom, said, oh, uh, he, yeah, he's got a concussion. So I guess he's out of commission for a little bit. At least a very little bit, but that's okay. John Cornholio of Texas can uh, be every bit as shitty in his absence as McConnell can. <laughs> okay, Lee, that's quality. Not the sharpest forks in the chandelier. Lee says, I think they're the sharpest forks in the electric outlets. Prove me wrong. No, I'm not going to try. You can't make me. I love that. And then, well, from right here in my beloved home state, The shenanigans in the West Virginia House of Delegates continue. The West Virginia House of Delegates voted down an amendment, a bill, rather, introduced by a brilliant young progressive legislator named Kayla, Kayla Young. She testified in front of the uh, 
legislature on the necessity of a bill banning child marriage. And this is a shocking number. Kind of sickening when you get right down to it. In the 23 years since the millennium passed, there have been more than 3,600 marriages with one or two of the, of, of, the, of the people being married being children. At present, a 16-year-old can marry in West Virginia with parental consent. And then this sentence, younger children need to get a judge's waiver. Imagine wanting a child to get married at 15 or 14. Well, uh, the West Virginia Senate Judiciary Committee defeated the bill. Nine to eight in committee. The bill had actually passed the House of Delegates, that House of Bedlam. But in the West Virginia Senate, mm, no. Because I guess the dirty old men who are the, who are the Republican majority of the Senate in West Virginia, no other dirty old men who would like to marry a 16-year-old girl. Kayla Young on Twitter said, For now, there will be no floor for the age of marriage in West Virginia endangering our kids. And by the way, they had the vote in the Senate on International Women's Day. The argument by the right-wing POSs, the senators, it'll go against the traditions of West Virginia. There's a Republican named Mike Stewart, who is a, a senator, uh, from, and he's actually a former federal prosecutor. And he said, my vote wasn't against women's. My mama was married when she was 16, and six months later I come along. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I guess he's really lucky, because that would have meant he was three months premature. Uh, one individual pointed out that, uh, no, it's not a vote against women. It's a vote against girls, little girls. Another individual said, yeah, Republicans want to protect children against pedophiles so they can marry them. It's not playing. They're a laughing stock. They're a dangerous laughing stock. Another individual over on Reddit said, uh, you're doing drag in front of this little girl and grooming her. She also happens to be my wife. Republican. It's 
So, once again, and this is not the only state to make sure that child brides continue to be a thing. Other Republican states have made sure that dirty old Republican men can marry little little girls. And a yes, of course, West Virginia's had the highest rate of teen marriages since 2014. The five-year average, according to the Associated Press, is 7.1 marriages for every 1,000 children aged 15 to 17. These little girls are subject to domestic violence, unwanted pregnancy, which, of course, now they can't do anything about. These people. And the drip, drip, drip from uh, Fox News TV Radio Rwanda continues apace. Because that place is nothing but a blazing dumpster fire of corruption and vulgarity and political cynicism. Well, now we know a little bit more about why Kimberly Gargoyle got dumped from Fox News, you know, the girlfriend of Nitwit Jr. According to the East Bay Times... Yeah, she got bounced, and we had the story earlier uh, a few months ago. She got bounced from Fox because of sexually inappropriate behavior. And Rupert, whose birthday it is today, uh, no happy returns, Rupert. Um, it, Rupert insisted that Kimberly Gargoyle be fired. Because she was gross and skeevy. And asking people questions about or talking about eh. in the email that's been released as part of the discovery in the Dominion Voting Systems case Rupert said Nasmax, not good people being advised by Guilfoyle who I insisted we fall for inappropriate behavior not one of our people will join her. Newsmax desperate for money. Scoured the world so far without luck. Yeah, I remember Kimberly Gargoyle, 2020. And the best is yet to come. A former assistant 
is believed to have made sexual harassment allegations against her. She showed... Again... Kimberly Gargoyle was walking around the studio, news studios showing people dick pics. And told, uh, told the assistant that she should submit to a Fox employee's demands for sexual favor, favors. And then showed some portion of her naked body. So, uh, my eyes. I'm going to have to use the eye bleach. Yuck. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, she wanted her assistant to tell her how her naked body looked. Oh, honey, get your, get your body positivity somewhere else. Get your affirmation. Ugh. So gross. And remember, remember Glenn Youngkin? Yeah, of course you do. The, the quietly maggot governor of Virginia who didn't want Nitwit Nero anywhere near him. And it was in fact, uh, his, his, his election was funded by hate groups. Lots and lots of hate groups. And that's what he, that, that, that's, uh, it's, we got to bring back parental control to the parents. Parental control of the skews. Yeah, well, there was a CNN had the audio or had the video. There was a CNN town hall that Youngkin, for reasons known but to God, agreed to participate in. Maybe because he's feeling like presidential timber. And he's one. He's he's one of those. He's one of those fucks who's obsessed with how kids express themselves. And so at this town hall, a kid from a Virginia high school, a boy, stood up with a pointed question for young Ken. Uh, Governor Youngkin, your transgender model policies would require that students play on the sports teams and use the restrooms that correspond with their sex assigned at birth. Look at me. I am a transgender man. Do you really think that the girls in my high school would feel comfortable sharing a restroom with me? Yep, so now let's listen to him. Let's listen to him dance, because uh, Nico here, his name is Nico. Nico is not going to get an answer. Well, first of all, Nico, thank you for again asking the question, and being here tonight, and uh, engaging in this important discussion. I believe first, when parents are engaged with their children, then you can make good decisions together. And I met your dad, and I'm glad that you're both here together. That's really, really important. No. What's this about parents getting engaged with their kids? Is that why the West Virginia Senate defeated the child marriage bill? Glenn Youngkin needs a banjo soundtrack. I also think that there are lots of students involved in this decision. And what's, what's most important is that we try very hard to accommodate students. That's why I have said many, many times, we just need extra bathrooms in schools. 
we need gender neutral bathrooms. And so people can use a bathroom that they, in fact, are comfortable with. I think sports are very clear, and I don't think it's controversial. Yeah, it is. And no, uh, no, 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 it's not clear. And yes, it is controversial. I don't think that biological boys should be playing sports with biological girls. Uh, there's been decades of efforts in order to gain opportunities for women in sports, and it's just not fair. Uh, this is just a turf talking point. It has no validity. Um, and I think that's pretty that's that's non-controversial and something that. Yeah, it's controversial. You can say it's not all you want to, you fucking hedge fund manager, but it's controversial. BlackRock, is it? Or was it, uh, oh, that, that shitty hedge fund that uh, uh, Bishop Willard Romney ran? Um, oh, come on. But, yeah, that's where Youngkin came from. He was running a, yeah, running a hedge fund. I think is, is pretty well understood. Um, again, I think these are very difficult discussions, and I am very, very glad to see you and your dad here too. A lot of, lot of, very doing a lot of, lot of work there. Very, very lot of work. But the bottom line is, he despises Nico. He despises Nico's dad. He despises everybody basically who isn't white and heterosexual and Christian and preferably male. By the way, Nico Nico just looks like a high school a high school boy. So, yeah, uh, Youngkin would gladly sign a bill that would force Nico back into the closet or put Nico at risk of suicide because that's really the goal. Um, over at the Human Rights Campaign, Jeff Witrowski, Witrowski, the campaign director there, said that you know Glenn Youngkin only cares about some parents. He does not care about parents of LGBTQ+, particularly transgender students, who have been consistently under attack in Virginia and across the country. He said there's no room for bullying or harassment in Virginia's schools, but his own policies only further marginalize and isolate trans students, creating more stigma and more discrimination against an already vulnerable population. Yeah, um, Youngkin says he wants to give parents the ability to provide direct input on education performance standards and proposed policies by restoring parents' uh, uh, engagement in critical discussions of, ch of children's gender identification. Parents should know what's going on in their children's lives and have a role. Well, yeah, maybe, mostly. I mean, I wish it was, I wish it was just across the board, but there's plenty of kids in Virginia who, if they say that they're gay or bi or lesbian or asexual or agender or trans or non-binary will find their will find their asses out on the street if not murdered outright by their good god fearing parents so there's that 
Oh, and Steve in New York said, uh, wait, Kimberly Gargoyle was too disgusting for Fox? One can only wonder. You want to see disgusting? Yeah, I, know, I remember that story, Steve. And thanks again to Ralphs, who has a $25 challenge on the table that could get us down to uh, 930 bucks in our fundraising hole. And I, I just realized that I ran over a bit. Uh, let's go over the over the river and through the woods to the old holler tree. And see what's going on with the group. I get going and sometimes the time just gets away from me. Carlisle Group. The Carlisle Group. Thank you, Ralph. Ralph serving as the horn ad hoc uh, sleazy things Glenn Youngkin has done. Yeah, he was running the Carlisle Group. Yeah, every bit as disgusting as I thought. And uh, so yeah, let's do. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go and check in uh, with the Skype group. It is Friday on the front porch. Would love to have some new voices in the group, and you are welcome to participate. At your convenience and at your pleasure. So, um, hey, how's it going? You there? Yep, I'm here. You there? Yeah. Good deal. You are you are you going? Are you battening? Are you battening down for the next atmospheric river, Sparky? I was a little worried yesterday because it never stopped raining all day till the evening. Has it let up any, or is it, it? I mean, there's supposed to be more shit coming this weekend, right? Yeah, the sun's out today. How, I was I, able to go out to the man cave and do some work, a little bit of work today before my back started hurting me. How bad off is your back? Not that bad. So what were the what were See the what I got? Yeah, I saw I saw the picture. Of what 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 you got? What did you get? It's called apple fritter. God, they're just I love all these names. Is it a hybrid or a sativa an indica? What? I don't know, but it's got thirty five percent cannabinoids. And it, it does the trick. All I've done is one little pinch of it in my vape since yesterday. Wow. And I don't have it. Don't have any pain once I've done some. No, that's 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 the goal. Absolutely. So how's yeah. the how, how's the, is is has the well cleared up? Yeah, the toilets are starting to clear up. One's cleared up. The other one, at the end of the line, is still a little, little messed up. But it's starting to clear up too. I'm getting there. It's just I wish I could 
go out there and fix the yard, but it's just a, it was a lake yesterday. No, it's just probably just slop, isn't it? Yeah, it's soaking in fairly quick today, though. But there was about an inch of water going in, walking into the man cave yesterday to get out there. Uh, almost almost went through the door. We would have kept raining. Wow. But it wouldn't hurt nothing. Well, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been particularly convenient either, would it? Oh, it dries up quick. When we had the flash flood, it was gone within a half an hour. We had 14 inches in standing water. Went somewhere. The rivers are running chocolate brown and the coast range looks beautiful this morning. I had to go to town to pick up a prescription. Snow level's down really low. That's on the west side of the valley. The east side, I can't see last of today. It's too clouded over. The Lake Oroville's filling up. Shasta Lake's filling up. I don't think we're hurting for water anymore. Well, that's encouraging. But I don't. I don't even know if a, a, you know these storms can 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 they uh, can they completely compensate for years and years and years of drought. I don't, I don't know if they can completely compensate. Say, but they're putting a dent in it. If the reservoirs fill up with the snow melt, yeah, that's good. Good sign. It takes a long time to draw a lake stand. And that was an accumulation over years of Oroville and Shasta being way down. What is that clicking with this? I don't I don't know. I was kinda of wondering. It, it... Sounds, it like some, sounds like somebody is eating something in a cup. Or almost like a, a the clip clop of a horse. Yeah. Hey, Steve. Gone. It's gone now, right? What? what oh, yeah. Right. What was it? Okay. You, you fess up. What was it, Sparky? I'm not gonna say. It was, it was spoon in my soup. I was stirring my soup. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's up, Steve? Oh, hanging in there. At least trying to. Um, I was gonna say, what the hell was I gonna say? I was gonna say something. I don't remember what the hell it was. I don't even friggin' remember. Well, I like the Marty Burke. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Did you get, I, I, I actually sent you, and you may have talked about it, um, and I may not have heard it about. Um, the the probably the biggest reason why a default on our money would be so catastrophic. 
Oh, yeah, I did see that. Um, why don't you elaborate? Okay. After World War II, there was a uh, uh, basically the and basically the entire all all of Europe of Europe's economies um, were devastated. So what happened was, the, you know, the the various you know we'll call them industrialized countries of the world got together and came up with was something called Bretton Woods. B r e t t o b r e t T-O-N, Bretton Woods. And part of Bretton Woods was that in, in, the, in, the, in the restructuring of the world economy, the U.S., uh, the dollar, was made the reserve currency for the entire world. Which yeah, means for the whole planet. For the whole planet. There's been modifications to that, but that's pretty much how it is still. And what that means is in international transactions, even between countries that aren't the U.S., um, a lot of goods and services, particularly commodities, are denominated in U.S. dollars, which is why you see oil in dollars per barrel, for instance. No matter, right. no matter. So, and 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 a couple reasons. One, because that was the only, you know, real real currency. I mean, you could have argued the British pound, but for some reason, I, I don't know why. But they didn't. Um, but certainly not, you know, at that point, there really was no German currency in the French franc, no. Um, so the dollar was the reserve currency, and it is, still is today. There's been some changes to that. There's been some modifications to that, but that is for the most part. Um, the other thing, too, is, is that since that time, generally speaking, the U.S. has been the largest economy um probably the most stable uh, i i i am really loath to say that right now but generally speaking over that time the us has been the, the stablest economy the stablest government certainly of the western powers since bretton woods or since just after world war 2 and that is part of that is the fact that we have never defaulted, we've paid our bills. I mean, you can go back and you can see a number of countries who have defaulted on, you know, their, what's called their sovereign debt, which is the debt that the country issues. Um, probably the most famous is Argentina. Um, and, and so that is a one reason. The other reason, too, is like I say, the stabilist government. And if you can think of other governments that, that weren't as stable, I mean, the French government was not it's only recently stable. I mean, if you realize we're talking about the fifth French Republic, and I believe three of those five republics reconstituted themselves in the 20th century. So at this point, it's like this. Most of the world uses the dollar for commerce. If we got to a point where those dollars or what, what backs those dollars, which is the confidence the world economy has in our dollar, if that confidence goes away and people question its value, that's the biggest reason that it would send us into a tailspin. Does that make it sense? I don't, I don't Yeah, yeah and take the world with it. Yeah. And when I say us, I meant the entire world. Because, I mean, imagine if, if – I mean, think about it. You, you, if you walk into a store and you're not sure if, 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 if what you – 
if the currency that you are using, either whether the store is going to take it or whether or not, you know, when you walk in the morning when that loaf of bread is two dollars per um, uh, for what per loaf, and by the end of the day, it's fifteen dollars per loaf. That's kind of where we are about this. I mean, that's a simple example. I mean, that's an example of hyperinflation, that type of thing. But if you're questioning the value of your money, then there really is no there is no way to say, you know, a barrel of oil is a hundred dollars, or you know, a bushel of apple, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, pork bellies are uh, trading at, you know. Ten dollars per whatever it is pork bellies trade at, and when everything and the value of and that essentially means the price of everything is up in the air. I and you know I remember you you had cited Robin the uh, there was a report that somebody did about the t number of jobs that would be lost and all that. I don't even think yeah that, that was Janet Yellen. Yeah, I don't even think that um, even – I think that's the tip of the iceberg. If they default at all, a million jobs are lost in the United States. If it goes on for any kind of extended period of time, seven million jobs. Yeah. That's here. Multiply that times, you know, times however many countries in the world. Right, and there's a lot of countries where we don't want – high unemployment simply because those things tend to make it possible for oh I don't know fascist movements to take hold yep I think of that iconic photograph of post-world war one Germany of the woman feeding her fire with a wheelbarrow a wheelbarrow full of Deutsche marks yep yep or or Wheelbarrows full of Deutschmarks, or I think they were called Reichsmarks at the time, even even before the the uh, the um, Third Reich, <clears throat> where people would they were you had wheel wheelbarrows full to go buy a loaf of bread, right? Or they were so valueless that people were wallpapering their houses with them. Oh great! Oh great! Grandpappy's uh, Confederate money drawn on the bank of Richmond. <laughs> You know, we we talk we talk about this, and and, and again, it, talking about economics makes my head roll back in my head a little bit. And sometimes I need a way to wrap my mind around it. And lo and behold, we all know because I talk about it all the time. I know, but lo and behold, one of my favorite comedies, my probably favorite comedy. Uh, from like 1978, The In-Laws, Alan Arkin, Peter Falk, Richard Libertini, uh, Ed Begley Jr., uh, Carmen Dragon in the Paramus, New Jersey, Philharmonic. Uh, it, well, the plot of that centers on the theft of some plates from the U.S. Mint, which a... Central American dictator is going to use to flood the world with counterfeit currency and crash the economy. And in the and and, and eventually Peter Falk has to explain this to Alan Arkin, and he does and he does so in a deli in New York City. And it it has a surprising 
especially given its age, you know, 22, 25, 45-year-old movie, okay? And yet, here we are. Jesus. I don't know what people are going to do when a six-pack of Budweiser costs $1,200. Oh, that would be awful. Yeah, that would be awful. And that's kind of what you're describing, isn't it, Steve? At least. Yeah. At least. That is, that is, I, I mean, the best way I can describe it is like, that. that's a piece of it. But imagine walking into a store and saying, yeah, I'd like to buy this loaf of bread. And the store says, what do you, what are you going to pay for it with? Well, dollars. Uh, well, um, I, I don't know what that dollar's worth. Yeah, I mean, am I going to lose money on this transaction? Because I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we and and you know we 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 make money out of selling our debt. Yeah, you know, those are called treasury bills. Mm-hmm. And a lot of countries are deeply invested in our treasury bills. One of whom is China. Mm-hmm. That could have devastating effects on China, and you don't want a destabilized China. No, 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 no. That's I an mean, awful lot of people to be pissed off and hungry. Yeah, and and Xi Jinping has already shown that for all of his um, dictatorial will to power, uh, well. It, he 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 folded like a cheap suit on uh, COVID restrictions, and then caused COVID to run absolutely apeshit crazy in his own country. Mm-hmm. Well, because authoritarians, even authoritarians, are afraid of 1.4 billion pissed-off people. Yeah, it without a doubt. So we shouldn't do that. No, we, we shouldn't. And the problem is, though, that apparently the uh, the feedum carcass is willing to, you know, nice little country you got got, got there. Be, be, be a shame if something happened to it, right? Uh-huh. So when it comes to lifting the debt ceiling... The feedum carcass, which of course includes Clanny Oakley and uh, Paula Laguna or whatever her name is, and uh, Chip Roy of Dribbling Dick, Texas, and Marginal Trailer Queen, Paul Comer, and, or James Comer rather, and Andy Biggs. And, so they gave a press conference. And they said, uh, well, you know what, we might vote to do, uh, do the, uh, to raise the debt ceiling, but you're going to have to meet our ransom demands. Now, Biden has released a budget plan. He's done something. Republicans, eh, bupkis. And so they, list, they, they released a list of uh, cuts they want to see today. 
and it applies to spending that Congress has already appropriated for uh, in 2022 for this year. Uh, the Freedom Carcass Chair, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, said, To ensure America does not default on our debts, the House Freedom Carcass is offering a responsible solution to the self-imposed crisis. Simply put, the plan is to shrink Washington and grow America. And he's, uh, you know, they 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 they, they want to cut. Uh, let's see, uh, they want to cap discretionary spending at 2022 levels until 2033. They want to get rid of. Oh my God, do they want to get rid of President Biden's? Uh, attempt to provide some student debt relief. And naturally, uh, their common sense solutions include rescinding any climate change-related funding. And they want to take back the $80 billion that were approved for the IRS. It's a hot mess. And they want to restore... Clinton-era work requirements on welfare programs. Well, there's already work requirements in any number of welfare programs, but the problem is the woman, and this is a story worth repeating. I wonder if Bill Clinton even thinks about this anymore. The woman that he touted in his welfare-to-work program as the shining success story The woman's family went all to pieces, and the woman died. And she died as broke as she as she entered uh, entered the welfare to work program, the workfare program. They're they're disgusting. J. W. Mason who's at the Roosevelt Institute, Institute speaking to Talking Points Memo, said, to the extent that this, this posturing for their own base, it's fine, but to the extent that it's read as a real set of demands that the administration has to move towards, it's really dangerous. This budget proposal is insane and would be extremely destructive if anything like it was adopted. It's a disaster for all sorts of reasons, but really focusing on the work requirements, it's funny because one of the clearest economic lessons we've learned is that work incentives don't matter. But that don't matter either, does it? Because again, with maggots, the cruelty is the point. So what they're saying is, if you get public money, you should have to work. Okay, cool. Then all those fucking Republicans who got PPP loans and had them forgiven, um, they got to be working. Uh, working yeah, pay, those back. Well, pay, pay those, those back. back. Pay those back. Pay those back. Exactly. And they, um, well, the fact, of, the fact of the matter is, you want people to work for welfare? Why not cut out the middleman? Why not just create a WPA or a CCC, and here's the fun part, pay everybody under Davis-Bacon. Pay prevailing wage for it, not some pissant minimum wage uh, thing. No, uh, give, give, give people health care, give people um, 
meaningful pensions, real pensions, not not dice rolls on the on the on the uh, on the Wall Street roulette wheel. And that'll that really will lift people out of poverty. You know, Boss Man Wayne has said on a number of occasions, you know, if every if everybody in this country was a member of a union, we wouldn't have we wouldn't need any welfare programs. And to the extent that we're talking about people who are uh, fully capable of meaningful work, and we're not talking about crapping on anybody with disabilities or anything, he's right. But don't say that to a Republican, or they'll you know they'll they'll get they'll they'll get the fan tods and the fainting spells. How about we do this? How about we uh? You want to cut? Okay. How about we cut we cut our military budget down to we'll say only uh, the, the next five countries combined. That ought to we ought to that ought to do a do a go a long way to getting rid of our deficit or curbing it. Truth. It would also reduce the uh, consumption of fossil fuels, being that the United States military is the largest consumer of such in the world. Oh, but Roger, that's logic. I mean, logic. And we all know that that's a hoax. Yeah, pitiful. You know what I wish? I wish I could say that that the crazy and the right wing, the right wingery, is limited to the U.S., but it's it's not. It. No, there's a there's a, and and, it, and we know who has fostered this. There is a global push for fascism. Yep. I wonder if we're going to get to 2039 before shit gets really hot. Did you see that – and again, you, everyone knows I follow UK politics. I am seeing shit there that is beyond – they have a bill before the House of Commons to ban people who come there seeking asylum, as they say it, illegally – from uh, file uh, from habeas corpus, they want to detain people who get there immediately and ship them back to wherever they came from. I think it says within two weeks. The problem is, if anyone knows how immigration, you can't just send someone back. You have to have a, what's called, I think it's called a repatriation agreement. You have to have an agreement with that country you want to ship them to that that's what that, that they agreed to accept them back well the Tories in the UK are shitty enough maybe they can put them on a maybe maybe they can put them on a plane and fly them to Florida or Texas and then yeah. put them on a plane and fly them to Martha's Vineyard oh you know about the Rwanda plan no what yeah what the UK has done is they've struck a deal with Rwanda 
that, and I don't, I think it's been blocked in the courts, um, or I don't, I don't know what the status is, but the plan was that they were to, they were going to deport people seeking asylum to Rwanda. And they were to have their, their claims for asylum heard there. And if they, if, if, if they won their case, they would have to stay in Rwanda. Well, that's a modification on the Bush stay in uh, stay in Guatemala or Bush Nitwit uh, Nero stay in Guatemala plan. Except if it, the people in the only it's even worse because even if they get asylum, they still stay in Rwanda. I mean, this is just sickening. This is just. Well, I mean, okay, you you, you triggered you, you triggered the law nerd in me when you said the UK Parliament wants to basically redline habeas corpus. Yep. Check me, but isn't habeas corpus a central part of uh, that that That's little where it fucking came from? That, yeah, right. But that little memo that. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. King John signed with a sword to his throat at a little place called Runnymede. Uh, Robin, when I heard that, the first thing that went to my mind was like, are you fucking kidding me? That's like, that's, you know, for whatever you say about our Constitution, it was, it was, I think it was probably, putting aside the reality, the notion of, Separation of church and state was was kind of a radical thing at the time that they wrote that. That's like, well, we're going to have a state religion now. It, it, to me, it's the exact same. Th- or it, it, but you had the exact same reaction I did. The exact same reaction. I mean, we're talking back to the Magna Carta here. Exactly. That's the running me. Yeah, no, I know, I know, no, I, I, I know. I was just in case anybody didn't know what you meant by that. Um, I, I mean, all roads lead back to Donald Trump, as far as I'm concerned. This is where it started, and all those fuckers over there who supported him and brought that the only reason they haven't had a January 6th something like that is the strict gun laws it's the only reason I think that's true <laughs> I mean remember V for Vendetta yeah <laughs> didn't was Ian McKellen in that wasn't he the guy I don't remember. It's been so long now. I just said the guy. I was hoping that would. No, uh, he was not the guy. It, not, it wasn't yeah. the. He wasn't. Yeah, yeah, call the guy. Yeah, I was hoping that would uh, uh, conjure Steve from Georgistan. Has Steve come into the room yet? Uh, I don't see him. I only see. I'm going to shut up because I want other people to talk. I, I, I do too, but well, among other things, we need people in the room. Uh, Steve's hanging out in the other chat room. Is he worn out from another uh, brutally long day? Well, I don't know. Yesterday he had a. I think it was yesterday. No, the day before yesterday he had a bad day having to watch some uh, video camera footage in his 
for his business. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyhow, I'll, I'll move on to another topic. Okay. On Wednesday night, I went to a uh, film that was being played here in Oregon, and I'll post a link to the title, etc. Um, and basically, it was a film documentary on the people who resisted the draft, primarily in the very early 60s. Um, toward the end of the movie, they do start getting into the 65 through 1970 um, on the anti-Vietnam War, anti-draft, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and showing Nixon and LBJ and some of the riots and the police riots and talking about the weather underground and things of that sort. But it got me to think uh, that our problems today are a direct result of the conflict in Vietnam. And here's my line of thinking. It was because the college campuses were such hotbeds of protest and the establishment, I'm thinking Richard Nixon and LBJ, uh, were so terrified of the students thinking and having the time and being uh, accepted by their professors and the educational establishment that the war on education began. And here I put Ronald Reagan, who was governor of California at the time. Uh, he's the one that began the increased tuition, make college unavailable, uh, badmouth the educational establishment. And ever since Ronald Reagan, it has been a pillar of the conservative movement to badmouth education. And that bad-mouthing of education and the reduction in funding of education was a desire to maintain the status of the conservative movement, which has led to people like DeSantis now taking over a liberal, liberal arts college in Florida, has taken to the student loan crisis because as the cost of tuition went up, Students were forced to borrow money, but that then put those people who were not of the upper middle class and could pay for the education into a debt uh, situation to where they couldn't buy houses, they couldn't start families, they couldn't do other things. And the result is was Donald Trump. And I just see a direct line through that. And I don't know whether I'm just a humongous conspiracy theorist or whether I'm right. I'm going to lean toward right. Because when I started college in California in 1963, a semester's tuition was $30, which was approximately 17 and a half hours of work at minimum wage. 
Today, and I did these numbers the other day, so I'm coming off my brain, not a piece of paper. Today, the tuition at a California State College is somewhere in the neighborhood of eight, nine thousand dollars. And at today's minimum wage, that's six hundred and thirty hours of work to be able to afford the tuition. And I'm not talking about room and board and all the rent, buying books and you know, all the other shit. But back in 1963, well, actually it was 1968 I did it, and the cost had gone up a little bit. But I could have a part-time job at the local just-off-campus beer bar and earn enough money to pay my tuition. Today, that is absolutely impossible. impossible. Yeah, making college harder to harder to uh, harder to go to is it, it might as well it might as well be a Republican platform plank, Roger. Yeah, and it started because of the Vietnam conflict. Yeah, you can't have these kids getting all uppity. No. No. Learning things, and and, and, and notice and notice in notice in the modern era, the trend toward eliminating arts and humanities from college curricula. Well, because that's it, that's it, where it, a lot of it that's where a lot of it festers. But in that vein, again, back in the early '60s when I was getting involved in it. A college education did generally provide you with a larger income down the road. You were more likely to get accepted into a, a minor management position because you had a college degree, etc. And all that college degree really meant, other than the, the few technical ones, is that you had the ability to be given a task, and then you went off and you did it and you turned the product into the professor. And if you were successful, you passed the class. And after four years of training to work somewhat independently and think somewhat independently, you were given a piece of paper that said BA or BS. And then you went out into the workaday world. But that college degree was not, quote, a ticket to a higher-paying job. It just worked that way. Today, anytime you talk to a conservative and they talk about a higher education, it's always focused on the amount of money you will get and how you should go to a trade school or how you should go to a community college where you can get a trade where you will make more money than a college graduate. It's not the idea that having a college education assists you in being able to critically think and analyze uh, events of the day and be able to think about them logically and come to an educated, logical conclusion of the issue. I mean, like Tom Cotton right now. He's running around and saying carjackers should be locked up forever. We shouldn't just turn them loose. A total bullshit argument to distract the rubes. I mean, of no, they all carjackers yeah. should be locked up. But what about the people who incited a riot on the Capitol? 
how come Tucker Carlson gets to say that it was always just a few bad apples in the group, but most of them were just good sightseers. I mean, here, we'll see the cops, you know, running the shaman around, not beating on him and not arresting him. He was just a peaceful protester, except for the fact that every one of those motherfuckers had at least broken two laws. Yeah. They breached a police barricade and they entered a closed federal building. The mere fact of their presence is a, uh, I think they were two misdemeanors, but if you commit a one misdemeanor and then commit another one at the same time, I think that second one could be charged as a felony. I'm not the lawyer, so I may be off on that. But he wants to talk about carjackers at the same time trying to get all the January 6th protesters off because they were just fucking tourists. And the people of this country have been so poisoned against the idea of education for education's sake that people fall for it. Wasn't it Thomas Jefferson? Eggheads, right? Yeah. But isn't it Thomas Jefferson on his tombstone has founded the University of Virginia? Correct. Not president, not writer of the Declaration of Independence, nothing. It was founding Virginia, University of Virginia, because he was of the opinion, I I know he was racist, that the more people that can be educated, the better. The entire land-grant college system, particularly in the western United States, there's one in every state. There's University of California, Davis is land-grant. University of Oregon and Corvallis is land-grant. And I don't know about the other ones, but they were given federal land to build the college on, and theoretically, a sufficient amount of dirt around it for the students who went there to be able to work the land to make the money to keep the university going. But we have absolutely none of that even being talked about today that an education is beneficial to the society at large. Yeah, we, we, we lost the thread on that one. And it's worth remembering that the Morrill Act, M-O-R-R-I-L-L, that created the land-grant university system had been considered prior to the Civil War but was blocked by... Uh, representatives and senators from the South because they were terrified of the idea that their dirt farmer population might get some education under their belt. And so only only once the Southerners were gone did the Morrill Act pass in 1862, I believe it was. Well, was it not true that in uh, the Confederacy it was illegal to teach a slave to read? Yes. Yes. Yeah, they they are they are entirely they were they they rely on ignorance. Now you could say with some of the maggots it's stupidity, but ignorant ignorance is 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 how you get an ordinarily rational person from being a rational person to being a tool of, of right-wing thugs. 
And, and meanwhile, you know, you, you mentioned the you mentioned the January sixth terrorists. Uh, apparently, Marginal Trailer Queen and James Comer over on the Oversight Committee are putting together a field trip for members of the House of Representatives to visit the people they call political prisoners at the Washington, D.C. jail. We're going to be addressing the human rights. We're going to be addressing the human rights abuse, such as the fact that they've been held in solitary confinement up to 23 hours a day, denied the ability to see their families. You know what? Here's a great way not to have that happen to you. Don't be a terrorist and attack the Capitol. I, I know that's, you know, that's got a little bit of an unpleasant flavor of, you know, well, don't do crimes and you won't go to jail. But in this particular instance, these are people who participated in a terrorist attack. And in one of those, in one of those moments where I find myself going, well, son of a gun, how, how about this? My filthy morning habit. You kind of nailed it. So, uh, Joe, one more note on this as we talk about the politics of it and the, the wisdom or lack thereof of Republicans reopening this wound and talking about it publicly. There's now a group of Republicans led by Marjorie Taylor Greene planning a visit to the prison where some of these uh, men and women are being held, people who beat up cops, Becca. treating them like political prisoners. She went uh, in 2021 and said it was like seeing prisoners of war, men with tears streaming down their faces, just feeding any Democrat, just feeding the president of the United States, just feeding anyone who wants it more materially on this terrible, terrible day in American history and treating it like she and the people in prison are the real victims. I just, again, I, I, you, you can't make sense. You're tired of asking you you who are make, these people. You can't, well, they're idiots who are, oh. are doing what's not in the best interest of their party, not in the best interest of democracy, not in the best interest of this country. But it is extraordinary again every day. We see one example after another example after another example of these people out of control and doing things that are hurting their own party, doing things that are hurting the conservative cause. And yes, like I said before, doing things that hurt this country. To investigate the investigators, they tried this with a Durham investigation. It blew up in his face time and time again. I mean, this guy was humiliated. And now they're doing it again. They're investigating the investigators. It, it, is, it is a clown show. And again, you have to wonder what Republicans who actually want to win elections in 2024 are thinking. Well, even before that, they're wasting the time and the money and the honor of their jobs, and they're wasting the American people's time with this garbage, well, with fake investigations, yeah. with gesticular politics, yeah. just fake, ridiculous pushing of the envelope on conspiracies. Well, and, 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 When there's and real about, work that needs to be done. Think about cops getting beaten up with American flags, thinking about cops who lost their lives after January the 6th and their families believe and uh, the, the, the police force believes for, for injuries sustained uh, on January the 6th. And you actually have Republicans embracing the rioters. You actually have Republicans embracing the insurrectionists. You actually have Republicans saying that this sort of behavior in America that you're watching on your screen right now, where American flags 
the generations of men and women have fought and died to protect and defend the ideals of that flag and the Constitution of the United States. Those flags being used to beat up cops. You got a network whitewashing that? To beat up cops to try to overturn a peaceful election. I, I I, I, I don't, I shouldn't have to explain this to people that have an IQ of more than like 40 or 50. I shouldn't have to explain this to them, right? This is simple stuff. You can't be on the side of, of rioters. You can't be on the side of mobs that want to overturn a peaceful election. You can't be on the side of insurrectionists, and yet, Mika, they are. He's not wrong, but I think he overlooks one thing, and that's this. He, he's, you know, he, he says, you know, people, people, you know, reference to people who Republicans who want to win elections. That's enti- that's the issue. That's the problem. Marginal trailer queen will now in that godforsaken shithole of a district in Georgia. Be that district's representative in Congress until the day she dies, if she wants to be. Or at least until the next census and the next redrawing, and that's 2030. The same goes for Scott Perry in Pennsylvania, Stan, and 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 Andy Biggs in Arizona, Stan, and you know Paul Gosar, the demon dentist of the desert. This guy's own family campaigns against him and says he's a horror and doesn't need to be anywhere near the levers of power. And he gets reelected and reelected and reelected and reelected. And so they don't really have to care about the Republican label relative to their reelection. It doesn't matter because they've got meticulously hand drawn congressional districts that concentrate vast swaths of stupidity. I mean, granted, Clanny Oakley only won her re-election by 500 votes or so. Then maybe she won't make it back, but she will be the exception and not the rule. So, I mean, that's, that, that, that's, that's how I read it. And bless her heart, Mika is, is I don't know, somebody, I think somebody, somebody upstairs said, yeah, let her go. Let her go off. And it's kind of nice to see it when she does. Um, that having been said, we have crossed into the third hour of the program. We have $980 to go in fundraising and about $1,500 in immediate bills to deal with. So if we could, uh, if somebody would be able to, willing or able to meet Ralph's uh, Kayla on the iPad challenge. That would be fabulous. That would be fan-freaking-tastic. And I would, well, this whole community would so appreciate it. Um, So, diving into a really deep hole when we're coming into the middle of the month is not not a great thing for us. Once again, Roger says, Jude in the great Northwest opens so many windows to view wider perspectives, notably on education, 
as it respected in higher consciousness to growth. But that has now shifted. And as forever, the January 6th insurrection continues to be a heavy albatross. Yeah, Jude. Yeah, it does. And the problem, you know, Mika said in that clip, you know, and a network is promoting all of this. And it's true. And it's it, it amazes me. I don't I don't I don't know how deeply involved Rupert is, but you know, he he seemed like he was on the ball in his deposition now, didn't he? So you have to think that he gave the go ahead to testicle toasting Tokyo Rose Carlson to air that that segment trying to whitewash the terrorist attack of January the 6th. Oh, and by the way, uh, there's been another court ruling in the civil suit against Nitwit Nero. Uh, Politico had the story. In the uh, civil suit brought by E. Jean Carroll, the judge has rejected a ploy by Nitwit Nero's pettifoggers. I don't know if this involves counsel for the parking garage or not. Um, Trump tried to keep her from being able to use the testimony of two other women who have accused Nitwit Nero of sexual assault. And the judge in Manhattan said, nope, that comes in. And also said, oh, oh what, you want to use the Access Hollywood tape where he talks about grabbing women by the pussy? Use that. Yeah, go ahead. And this isn't this isn't in some local court. This is federal court. This is U.S. District Judge Lewis Kaplan, who said a jury reasonably could find, even from the Access Hollywood tape alone, that Mr. Trump admitted in the Access Hollywood tape that he, in fact, has had contact with women's genitalia in the past without their consent, or that the attempt, or that he has attempted to do so. Well, thank you, Your Honor, for making plaintiff's counsel's argument for them. That's that's mighty decent of you. But since the suit is only for defamation as opposed to the rape itself, the judge said that uh, in order to prevail on her libel claim, Ms. Carroll must prove that Mr. Trump sexually assaulted her. That would be socks. Popping by to say hi. Say hi, Mr. Sox. Say hi, Nat. <laughs> Robin, Jack has had his hand up. Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't day. seen any. Ha- I'm sorry. I've, I've been doing many other things. Hey, Steve. Uh, we're going to talk about history of the world here in a minute. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, but Jack's had his hand up. Hey, Jack, we're how not are that you? Far apart. Um, hey, y'all. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I, I did my. Uh, self hand lowering because I think you have to do that. Still, I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm doing okay. Uh, um, I was uh, thinking back and when uh, who was it talking about um, the college in Vietnam and all that? Uh, and uh, I, as far as like a you know the college, the like students protesting and Republicans um, getting worried and all that. Well, you know I I wanted to add this 
stuff about um, like online courses and, you know, and STEM and, uh, you know, I, I'd give a, um, a plus one to the, uh, um, uh, you know, education being about making money and getting rid of just liberal arts. But but the college campus it or was or still is um, a place of, of young people getting together and and doing protests, you know, or, or when you know, when it's a real you know, university campus with dorms and and people around there, a lot of people on campus at the same time, you know, not commuters like a community college or something like that. And uh, they're, you know, they're they're trying to, I think, uh, move away from that so that you don't have those centers of of protest and, and political action and discussion. Um you know, and, and you like I did some of these online courses when you know, like when they're free. And you know, once I did, you know, it's pretty. They were tech, you know, but you know, they're pretty good. So I have no issue with them. Um, you know, as far as you know, quality or uh, at least you know if they're good. Um, you have to you you have to uh, uh, use them. Um, in a different way, you have to learn to use the forums and all that. But, and so I don't, you know, it's not good for really intellectually, uh, you know, interacting with professors and other students and all that. But, you know, it's okay. But, but, but the other um, issue is, you know, they're trying to get, you know, it, it um, helps drain, you know, a uni university settings, university campuses, um, you know, in, in that way. So, uh, I, anyway, I think that's pretty much all I have. And I think, I think you're, I think you're right, Jack. And you mentioned STEM and all. part of the reason, and you know, there's an economic reason. There's a need in society for STEM, uh, for STEM educated people. You need engineers and you need, uh, yeah. that sorts of folks and I, I don't I don't doubt it or deride it but those are also highly numbers oriented um, career paths uh -huh. and you're not likely to get a lot of political debate or high-minded philosoph uh, philosophical discussion in those classes you're gonna get right. use this equation to achieve this goal yep and so it serves a double purpose it's Good for the economy to have more engineers, because if the more engineers there are, hey, the less you can pay for the engineers, right? Yeah. Well, and, and that's another uh, kind of issue in that, you know, it's always been, uh, the press has always been, oh, we need more engineers. We need more engineers. We don't have enough engineers in this country, you know, so go to go to engineering school, and it's like, no, man, they're just trying to overpopulate the, you know, the, the, uh, profession, you know, those areas, you know, to, and they bring in, you know, the, the, uh, from other countries and it, yeah, it drives down the wages. Just, yeah, just like you were saying. And I think you're, get, right. you're getting some, you're getting some agreement from Clarence. 
who said, Roger has an excellent observation of the Vietnam protest theory. The ironic outcome of that history is that we have in political and government areas of authority the sons and daughters of Vietnam war hawks. Some of the older conservative politicians were all for the intervention in Vietnam. The attack on college-age persons is correct. The suppression of people who are woke is nothing more than an assault on people who are or want to be educated. And I would add, educated in topics that Republicans really don't want people to be educated in. And I'll go so far as to say, relative to Roger, that everything up to this moment, including all of this bathroom and sports nonsense, is rooted in the same thing Roger was talking about. And th- and by the way, thanks so much to an anonymous friend of the program who has uh, just met and exceeded Ralph's challenge. So that means we are down to 9.25 to go, 9.25. So thank you. Thank you so very much. Uh, Randy Radar says we should have all become union plumbers. We'd be rolling in cash by now. Okay, Robin, let's talk All right, Steve, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. And I I must say that we're not that far apart as you think. Out of the gate, I was very juiced. Of course, I've been waiting on this for 40 years, so you can imagine. Yeah, dude was juiced. And I thought, well, man, she's just pissed off because they're gooning on West Virginia. But that's not the case. Not the case at all. Where, where they went wrong, remember the original history of the world was broken down into three separate sections. Right, And right. they did very, very little arcing back to each other, if at all, to my memory. This one, they keep arcing back from storyline to storyline, and it, it reminds me more of Amazon Women on the Moon than History of the World. I, I don't hate Not it. Not wrong. I don't hate it. They got a slew of writers. It's highly entertaining. I mean, if you're very bored and you want to chuckle, I would recommend watching it. But is it on the level of the first one? Hell no. Hell no. And the words you used, what was it? Um, weak. That was a very good description. Yeah, it's yes. it's 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 just weak. Compared it's 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 weak, is, is weak, weak, easy comedy. Like you know, yeah. a guy who makes mud pies for a living. Right. And Wanda Sykes, she's brilliant. She's she's good in it. I mean, I don't know. Brilliant may be an overstatement. She's one of the writers too, but she was good in it. Yeah, know? she was. And I haven't I think, finished. And I think as one of the writers, she she made sure she got the good material. <laughs> Probably so. But, yeah, after watching it and objective, objectively speaking, we're not that far apart. Uh, you know, the bar was set so high. We, we've really set ourselves up for failure with this thing. You know? well, I, I, just, I, just, I just felt like they did it, you know, one, uh, as an homage to Mel. But secondly, as uh, second, secondly, as you know, well, Hulu will pay us. Let's do this. In a yeah. way, in a way, as because one of the things I was thinking about as I watched this was the premise to the producers. Did you see all the writers they had on that though, Mike? Oh, yeah, everybody and their cousin wanted to be in that writer's room. But think about it. The premise of the producers is they're trying to come up with an idea so bad that it will lose a shit ton of money 
and it turns out it's so bad it's great and makes a fortune. I mean, this thing that they they God only knows how much Hulu paid for this. But do you like? Well, not like, but do you respect my analogy of yeah, oh, that, that Amazon and woman on the moon? That's yeah, yeah, that that really, me. yeah, it really does. It's like ah. Uh, you know, yeah. it's it's it's. Or they just kept arcing back, you know, to no yeah. Soul Jones, you know, and the same thing. They kept going back to this Bible scene, and the first one didn't do that. It was segmented, and that made it interesting. Yeah. So that that's where I'm at with it, and I just wanted to let you know that you and I are not that far apart. Am I disappointed? Yes. Did I know I was going to be disappointed? Did you want it? Did yes. you want a couple of just uh, uh, raucous, unrestrained, uncontrollable belly laughs? Yes. Yes, of course. Like did you the get first... them? No. No. Uh, like the art critic. My gosh, man! The first time I seen that, I laughed so hard I cried on the first one. You know. You'll have to rewatch it. I don't want to give it away in case anybody has not seen it. But the very first art critic was back in the Stone Age days, and I'm going to go ahead and give it away after I said I wouldn't. But the guy um, whips out his wiener, and he pees all over this stone carving, you know. Yeah. That was the first art critic, you know. But there, there just there isn't anything. Oh, uh, look, I mean, there's nothing wrong with cheap bodily function comedy. I mean, good God, the guy's sitting around the campfire eating beans and farting. In Blazing Saddles, please. <laughs> yeah. They had Gene Wilder in on that, you know. Well, and Richard Pryor. And Richard Pryor. So it, it, it had potential. They had so much material to work with, and they just they dropped the ball. And I think I, I think I think Mel Brooks. They probably paid Mel Brooks for it's, it's kind of like naming. Uh, you know, paying, pay, and I'm not equating the two, don't even. Uh, but Mel Brooks and, you know, they, they paid him for his brand, kind of like people pay, corporations pay Trump for his name on their mm-hmm. sleazy golf course. Speaking of which, I don't know if you caught this in the in the Mitch, Mitch McTurtle story. And, and by the way, uh, Lee in New York pointed out, you know, if he fell on his back, his arms would have been waving up in front of him, and he wouldn't be wouldn't have been able to turn and, over and Robin, get up. But before he proceeds, Scott's had his hand up for about twenty minutes. Now. Okay, so just one second, one second, one okay. second, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish ahead. up. Go ahead. No, the where he took the fall was the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, Washington D.C. Yeah, I'm fairly familiar with hotels in D.C., and I don't remember there being a Waldorf. Well, there's a reason I don't remember there being a Waldorf Astoria Hotel in D.C., because there wasn't. This was a bunch of Republican money uh, swanning around at a dinner. What was known as the Trump International Hotel in the old post office building is now the Waldorf Astoria, D.C., because Nitwit Nero lost his ass on it. Did Mitch do the duck and cover before he fell? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. That was just too easy. That was a layup. It, it was. It, it, yeah. That. Hold on. You still get a low rent cowbell for that.
duck and cover. Yeah, so Scott, go. Scott. I'm not hallucinating. His hand was up. It looks like he's left. Or he tried to talk and maybe he disconnected. Well, no, we had that we had that audio problem with Scott the other night and I felt like I felt like I, I thought I was barely hearing him. I, I heard just like a couple of barely, you know, tiny bit of voice and he's still there on my screen. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same. Yeah, I, I can hear him just barely. Sounds like can. he's in a, a truckload of cotton. I think you've got the same connection problems you had like last Monday, Scott. Um, uh, whatever you did to fix it for your last call, please do that again. Jack, thank you so much for jumping in. Uh, you've got us down to 875. Thank you so very much. You bet. I really do appreciate it. Well, let's do this while Scott um, irons out his audio problems. What's everybody going to do tonight? It's Friday night. Steve just joined. Steve, what you got going on tonight? Yeah. Scott still has his hand up. I know, but he's got audio problems. Oh, I'm just at the office. Yeah, no, no big plans. Not going out to any fancy restaurant or anything. Uh, no, I'm. Uh, no, I'm. Uh, I'm okay. Something in the chat room is really funny. Did you get that, Robin? I sent it to you. Yes, bug sex. Bug sex. An actual document. Barely hear you, brother. Yes. Barely hear you. Yes. Steve's away from us. Is this better? Yes. Ever Much. so. Okay. Uh, yeah. This is uh, Steve. Tells me this is an actual documentary on the CBC. Bug sex: the weird and wonderful way they get busy. <laughs> I just happened to be. I just happened to be like looking because I look on there well, now and again, <laughs> and I was like. And I don't know. I, I don't know what that species. Could be interesting. Yeah, I don't know what's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, is there going to be a bow chicka wow wow, you know? <laughs> a soundtrack? I saw, I saw, I saw a couple of those. Gre- the whole thing, you know? Yeah, I'm such a seventh grader when it comes to this stuff. I can't help it. I, I saw those I'm tell grasshoppers you. doing it uh, one time, and it was weird, man. You know what? You know what, Jack? It's interesting you had mentioned that. It was 1983. 1983, and I was traveling from New Orleans to Mobile, and I just stopped at a roadside park, met met some people, had a lovely conversation with them, and lo and behold, it was grasshoppers getting it on season on the uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast. Mm. And I, there was this thing. I actually took a picture of them. Yeah, it was like something wrapped around all the. I mean, I. I'm try, I, I only just have a bare minimum, but there's some long thing that was wrapped around the other one. I mean, some appendage that I had not seen, but I, or, or maybe it was, I don't know, but there was some wrapping around of something. <laughs> I mean, it was, <laughs> Steve, Scott's what back. is that on? I'm going to put it in my watch list. Uh, it's on the CBC. CBC.ca. It's right on the front page of the. Uh, it, yeah. Uh, 
And it you says know, I, new I, season, so apparently there are multiple episodes. Well, no, it's it's like a uh, it's a uh, it's called the nature of things. It's like they have various science scientists on there who do, you know, documentaries of stuff. I, yeah, but I ha- you have to admit, I mean, I did, I wasn't looking for it. I'm like, oh, gee, I'd really love to see something about bug sex. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to say mention anything, but I did wonder. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, and I got to tell clear you clear your browser uh, history, Steve. Yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, seventh grade, yeah, you're being generous in some way. It sometimes it gets down to like first or second grade. <laughs> poop <laughs> jokes. Like, yep, yeah, poop jokes. <laughs> hey. Scott still has his hand up. Is he? Is he? Hi there. Nope. You're still a million miles away. You're, you're still in cotton. You're still buried in a truckload of cotton. Maybe try disconnecting and reconnecting your 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 headset yeah. or whatever. Turn it off and turn it on again. You know anything that the tech support people say. Or turn the volume up. Oh, and uh, Steve in Georgia, you asked plans. No, zero plans. I'm gonna. It, it's cold. It is snowing. Because of course it's it is snowing. Yes. Good heavens! It's and fifty. It's sixty degrees here. We're in the same mountains, but I guess you know, four hundred miles can make a world of difference. But it's it, and so it's just kind of squishy and crapulous and cold again. So yes. I'm gonna put on, I'm gonna put on my entire my entirely unlovely long micro fleece gown and snuggle up in bed and, and then we're gonna. I think we've. Well, okay, so there's a new Mandalorian tonight, and I think we've got uh, a new Poker Face and a new, hopefully, new uh, Quantum Leap. So that should pretty much take care of the evening. There you go. Well, we're going to go check out our our favorite new Italian restaurant local, and I'm going to get the Tuscan salmon grilled on a bed of rosita topped with roasted cherry tomatoes, basil, and... Kalamati olives, is that how you would Kalamata. that? Kalamata. Kalamata. Um, My favorite yep. olives. Yep. yep, best olives in the world. Yes. Yep, so that that's what I'm going to be having tonight. Karen's a bit more simplistic. She'll probably just get spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> By the way, we do know where Kalamata olives come from, right? Greece? No, I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Greece? Greece, yeah. yep. They got a great tang to them. Though. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, that, yes. I love that brine. Yep, that I was just going to say that brine, you know, I could I've used that brine as like some like a sauce or even a dressing. Oh yeah, you, you can as a salad dressing, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kalamata olives, some feta cheese, pepperoncinis, sliced beets, uh, in in a nice romaine salad with a good with a good oh, Greek dressing. Oh, it's heavenly. That sounds, that sounds. Steve, how I don't remember. I know I've told you my dad lives in Canton. How Closer you to there, Canton. Oh, uh, I think that's Cherokee County. Yes, when I first moved to Georgia, as a matter of fact, I moved to Canton. Okay, that's around the Woodstock area. I know exactly where it is because they have some really good. Oddly, I guess it's a small town, but they have a several really really good restaurants there. Uh, yeah, oh, they're they're good restaurants peppered all over Georgia. I mean, in the weirdest places too. Hold on a second, please. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. Any any Picard fans here? Uh, 
I don't know what that is. It's a new Star Trek. It's a new Star Trek. uh, Oh, oh, okay. No, I haven't checked it out yet. Not that I won't. Yeah, it's in its third season. I don't even know what. I don't even know what it's on. Oh, it's uh, Paramount. Was that CBS? Yep. Yep. Again, I don't. I don't. I watch very little. But what I watch, I watch through the app in uh, in Canada. So. Um. Um. It's like your bug thing. I don't know how I'm going to be able to get it through Canada. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to. That's not that you don't have to. You just go to CBC.ca and it's right there. No kidding. Yeah, it's it's like an online. All right. At least I think so. Well, it's it's, yeah, it's. Uh, but it's not going to be on like direct TV or anything. I'm not no, you go to the that. you go to their webs you go to the the, the uh, website. What if they have a YouTube connection? Very possible. I'll have to look into that. Oh wait a minute! No, it's it's not available outside Canada. Use a VPN. Yeah, if you use a <laughs> VPN, you could do it. Robin always has a workaround. I'll just pick a VPN in Moose Jaw and you're there. <laughs> you got the. <laughs> All right, Stephen, I see you. What, what what do you got going on tonight? He's usually always cooking something really interesting. But he may not even be tuned in. I just put a link to the specific thing. So, yeah, you just use your VPN and you'll be able to watch it. Yep, Stevens. Uh, he's here, but he's not here. So, Duncan, are you here and not here too? No, there's Stephen. He 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 just hi, opened hi. up. Yeah, hey, what what you got going on tonight? Uh, it's gonna be uh, chicken already cooked chicken drumsticks in a, a pasta sauce over pasta. Oh, that sounds nice. 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 Now, what kind of marinara are you going to use on it, or any kind of? It's called pasta. It's called pasta sauce. On the oh, table. duh! Hey, I heard that. I'm sorry. I'm just not with it. Long day. All right. Very good. We now, expect uh, more rain. We expect more rain this weekend. We had yeah, seven pa- inches. Seven inches yesterday. The pasta sauce, is that just like from a jar from like the generic grocery store? Is that something yeah, you pull it, down it, yourself? Or? Yep, it's a generic. Oh, we, okay. we, do make, we do make our own from scratch once in a while, but not tonight. A lot of work, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have to start earlier in the day. Well, we did our good dinner last night, which was uh, pork chops on a bed of sauerkraut and... Uh, uh, fettuccine Alfredo with a homemade sauce and applesauce cake for dessert. God, I love a good applesauce cake. I love applesauce cake. Yeah, spe- yeah. Especially, especially with a homemade caramel icing. And the walnuts and all that. Yum. Yeah, my mom we did it with our own applesauce. Oh, beautiful. And of course, it was my own sauerkraut, too. Oh. And by the way, I disappeared there for a minute. My apologies, but I disappeared there for a minute because uh, there was a huge explosion. And I don't know where it was, but I mean, it about about sent me out of the chair. Um, oh, and your lights are on. You got a internet it. connection. 
Yeah, uh, but everything's still working, so, you know, maybe it wasn't a Nazi shooting at a substation. Duncan, what do you got going on tonight? Three guesses. First two don't count. Trying out that, uh, uh, what, what was the name of it again? Painkiller whatever the hell it was. Oh, I've already tried that out. Let's see, my so, first guess was going to be trying to get the night cleared up. Second one was go build a snowman, and third one is uh, chat with one of his girlfriends on the internet. Yeah, I was just going to suggest uh, something with a special lady friend. Well, that was yeah, my three guesses. One, the first I two didn't one, count, one so right I went. Oh, right, you, see, Roger, his first two didn't count, so you got it. First try. Cold star for Roger. I've got one right now. I'll be, I'll be back. There's Jeremy. Jeremy just joined the group. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, Robin. Hey, what? Steve, I think I sent this to you. I don't know where I've been seeing this, but I'm, I've been actually. You know what? I I read the Guardian, and I I must have somehow inadvertently. I'm glad I did. Subscribe to like their recipe something or other. I know I sent you one that it was what the hell was that i remember you said you you said you were going to use it for like your splurge or something um must have been I, filthy with carbs oh it was like cream cheese filled that's what it was uh rolled up cream uh cream cheese filled pancakes yeah i found i saw that one hurt Oh, you know, I looked at that and I was like, "Oh, wow!" And about that time, um, one of the one of the one of the, uh, uh, one of the uh, arteries going into my uh, right by my aorta uh, it, it fibrillated. Um, I saw another one. It was a pineapple up pineapple upside down lime rum cake. Am I weird that that sounds just freaking awesome? No, that no, that's 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 all over me like fire ants. That just oh my god. Yeah, I, I saw. I don't know. Pineapple and rum go great together. Yes. Um, I, I, what doesn't go good with rum? Um, any other liquor? Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Mix your liquors, never sickers. Yeah. By the way, I I I bought a. Uh, my, my first little Yeti something. It's just a little coffee mug, but these things are actually built really, really well. Yeah, they're 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 good. I mean, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be I'm, I'm never going to be that girl who can go and you know drop a grand on a cooler, but they work. Yeah, I mean, if I ever, you know what? I, I, why the hell would I drop a grand on a cooler? Does it really keep it that much colder than if I... <laughs> it's not how much colder it keeps it, it's how long it keeps it cold. Uh, $2 styrofoam one. Yeah, I'm thinking the $2 styrofoam. <laughs> the only time I'm ever going to need, if I ever need one, it's going to be, hey, I'm going to a cookout or I'm going to a fireworks <laughs> display or something, and that would be the end of it. You know, okay, well, hey, uh, kept everything cold and... Cold the sodas and beer as long as it had to, and I, 
when I leave at night, I I threw the cans in the recycle and I put the uh, styrofoam in wherever the styrofoam goes, and I don't have to carry a thousand dollar thing uh, a cooler home. <laughs> and guard it with your yeah, own. and you don't and, yeah, and you life. don't and you don't have to grieve if something happens to it. <laughs> now, on the other hand, I don't get to shoot a hole in it if. If uh, I've, I've, that, that target gets too woke, so I get that. I, I think the most expensive cooler I ever had was a 1955 Buick that I bought on Guam, and the air conditioner didn't work. And it was a big unit behind the back seat with two vents that you know blew cold air up in the back seat, and we ripped out the the back seat, opened up the insulated box took out all the air conditioning bullshit and we'd stop by the PX and we'd get several bags of ice and a whole bunch of beer and we'd put the ice down in that cooler unit and then throw the beer in on top of it and we went to the drive-in movie. They shined the flashlight in. Oh, no, we haven't got any beer, you know. Okay. And uh, go into the drive-in, park the car and just reach in behind the back seat and get all the goddamn beers we wanted. And when it leaked, it just leaked out because that was how they were designed was for the condensation to leak out so there'd just be a big wet patch there in the drive and when we pulled out but we didn't have any beer going in but we were sure fucked up going out see now that's just beautiful that's workable that's beautiful and who haven't we heard from jack what do you got going on tonight he report in um as far as tonight uh nothing wrong no big plans, not going salooning or anything. Nah. Yeah. Gotta be one there. Hang out, get grab some McDonald's or uh I gotta do an errand and then I, I uh I'm gonna come back and well I've got uh you know, I'll find something to eat, usually chicken pot pie. Five I or, love those. But yeah, um I get the ones that you just have to do it. You know, now, you, do you, do you get the ones that are the whole pie or just got the top layer on it? Oh, uh, Steve, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's important, isn't it, Rob? Oh, that's a that's a that's a that's a deal breaker for me. I don't <laughs> I don't want no chicken pot pie and got no bottom. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. I didn't like, know there were three for a dollar. Yeah. Oh, pie. Yeah, I like them. You rip the top off the box. Stick them in the microwave and, and you don't. There's no two steps. Ferg was objecting in the background. That's not. That's just soup. <laughs> He's right. He's right. Now, who makes the full layered ones? Oh, I, several. Uh, isn't the, Doesn't the Marie Calendar have a full bottom? That's the that's one I was thinking of. Yeah. That's that's the one that I get. And yeah. you only have. There's only one. Like you don't have to do them on low and then do them on high. You just stick them in for like a certain amount of minutes and they're ready you know now I, I will i will tell you this um they don't have a bottom but they're damn good the chicken pot pies that they serve at kfc oh, oh yeah the crust hey, on Robert, those is like hyper flaky and just don't go beautiful. online and check out the nutritional values you'll never eat another one. i haven't but the sure get lava <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> um, yeah, i'll tell you what for those for those of you who have kroger's yeah um the Kroger's, uh, it, it, it's in their freezer section, but they've got little frozen Spanakopitas, if you like Greek food. You were talking about Kalamata olives earlier. Mm-hmm. 
they're and and you you put them in your put them in your like air fryer or whatever, and they puff up so pretty and, and that you know that that phyllo dough pastry crust, and it's Greek restaurant good. Nice. I, lo- I love Spanakopita. Now, the only person we have not heard from is Jeremy. Jeremy, what what you got going on tonight? He may be here and uh, name only. All right. When you get a chance, check back in because we know what everybody else. Well, I will. I will say this. I'm all excited because um, I went looking for something to wear at the film festival later this month up in New Jersey. Cool. And I had seen a dress at one of the outdoor stores. But, of course, my size was gone. And so I ordered it because it was on. It was ridiculously marked down because it's end of season and this is kind of a heavy sweater dress. But it's got this gorgeous intarsia weave through it, kind of charcoal colored. And I was a little worried about it because they didn't have it at two X. So I said, "Well, you know, I'll order the extra large, and if it doesn't fit, I'll give it. To, I'll give it to my sister Terry." It fit. I'm so happy. And it's gorgeous. Awesome. So I have I have something I have something wonderful to wear for the film screening and something to look forward to. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this trip. Nice. And I don't know, maybe maybe coming out of DC, I may fi- I may have the opportunity to find that little hole in the wall gas station cinder block cinder block building gas station. And restaurant there at the last exit in uh, in Maryland before you go into Pennsylvania, because they had the best crab cakes I've ever eaten, and they also had the best uh, cream of crab soup. So good. Crab soup. Yes. Jeremy is unmuted. Jeremy, yeah. What, what do you got going on tonight? You're the only one that hadn't checked in. Try to go home and go to sleep. It's been a long day. I understand. Well, first of all, I drove 89 miles to jump on my snow machine to drive almost 200 miles, only to drive 89 miles back home. So altogether, almost 400 miles of driving today since 6 a.m. Wow. And you didn't even get to ride? Oh, no, I rode. Did 172 miles today. Oh, okay. And no pertinent grub for tonight after such an eventful day? That's my grand total of, I think, 320 miles for this week. Alone. <laughs> Watch out for the barbed Marie, wire fences. You need a Marie Callender yeah, pot pie, man. You need some uh, rib sticking. That would work too. Oh, and by the way, I, I I went looking for it the other day in my Wally World. Uh, there's a brand, and I think they're out of Texas, called Michelangelo's. Oh yeah, they're good too. And I, and it's one, it's another one of those situations where if I like it, it's guaranteed to disappear. Soup. Shut up. <laughs> and that's just soup. That was that was hilarious. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, cowbell for Ferg on that one. Uh, but no, there, uh, it's Michelangelo's and it's chicken piccata. That's the thing with Walmart. If you find something that you like, you can guarantee it's not going to be there the next time. Oh, that Jonas, that 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 the Rob Jonas backstage popcorn that I was bragging on. Wow, that's that, I like that a lot. 
It's gone. And if you go to management and say, hey, can you get this back? They'll look at you like you got four heads. Yeah, know? no, that, I've done that. And that, Actually, they, they, well, a computer does that. <laughs> it's computer, artificial. It's, the computer knows everything. <laughs> it never fails. Walmart never fails to disappoint. Never. Oh, horrible. <laughs> I mean, I like Kroger so much better. But it's a matter of, it's it's a, it's a matter of who carries what and who doesn't. There is one thing Walmart's good for: their buying power of medication. They make it cheaper. Well, yeah, them and well, God knows. I wish we had a Costco around here. I still, There's that. Yeah, yeah, you can get your blood pressure medicine comped almost at Walmart. Yeah. Yep. Well, I can tell you my insulin. Well, I switched from. Uh, my local grocery store to Walmart and dropped one hundred fifty dollars the time I filled it. So, nice. like I said, so, there are some good, it, there are some uses for Walmart if you know where to what to use them for. Jeremy, is this is this uh, a voluntary price reduction to thirty five dollars for insulin? Is this going to be a big boost for you? Well, I've had thirty five dollars for a long time. Really? So, well, yeah, I've been I've, I've been lucky. It's about a three month supply for me is probably. About seventy dollars. So yeah, it's, it's it's been less than thirty five for me. But I have vials, so it's different. It's not pens. It's nothing expensive. And but it, as far as I can tell, like a ninety day supply hasn't been much more than like fifty bucks for me for a while. I think it's part of my Medicare program or medical program. <clears throat> because you live in a civilized state, Vermont. Yep. Well, it's because my boss pays out the nose for my insurance is what it is, but. I have to fight for a lot of stuff. I spend half of my waking hours fighting for diabetic rights, amongst other rights, but especially diabetic rights. Well, because that's intimately associated with your ability to continue being a living person. Well, you know, the, the funny thing is I often argue with them, and I'll ask the person on the phone. I'll say, does it make more sense for you guys to pay a little more now or wait till it's a $5,000 bill because I'm at a coma in the fucking hospital? And they'll always answer, oh, more now. But that would cost cut into their profit. So they'd rather you die first and come back with a big bill than just pay for it up front. Well, right, because uh, the dead plaintiffs are off, always less valuable in a jury's eyes than a live one. Right. But I mean, I've had this conversation with countless agents from my insurance company. Like, listen, I know it costs a lot, but doesn't it make more sense to do it now than when it costs you ten times as much as in the hospital because you didn't? You or you have to get a prosthetic because you lose a limb. I've had that conversation, too. They're basically, the insurance companies are the kings of, of uh, penny-wise, pound-foolish, honestly, in terms of the way they treat you as a patient. Steve, have you healed up from that okay? Yeah, yeah. I just look like um largely um Oh, no, that I was knew you were going right? there. <laughs> Me and Marge got something in common now. You know? Old Sporkfoot. Old Sporkfoot. Yeah. I can do the hell, hell rock and roll sign with uh, with my foot and two hands. So I'm one of the few people that can do it. Three way. <laughs> you need to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> yeah, thanks for asking, Robin. I'm doing really good. I mean, I know that was that was damn hard. That was. A, yeah, it was traumatic. Anytime you lose a limb and you're now considered an amputee, 
it changes your life, you know, even something that small. Well, it screwed it screwed with your gait too, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't mean. I hope I'm not being triggering. No, no, it's okay. Well, I will go ahead and mention we'll with ten minutes left in the program, uh, we're at eight hundred and seventy-five bucks, and and there are bills coming due that are horrible because I guess they're just going to stay horrible for the foreseeable future. And it would be great if we could come down from that some. Uh, thanks to our anonymous friend, and thanks to our, uh, and, and thanks to Ralphs for the two challenges that helped get us down to there. Thank you so much, and to every one of you who responded. Uh, I'm going to mention something here because we've got somebody out there. I don't know if they're listening right now or not, but they're they're they're, they're desperately seeking attention, and I, I hate for anybody to be sad. Brain in the chat room. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Who, I don't. I don't know who this little troll is. But uh, Brother Deacon Asa sent this along from the garbage filter just because he thought it was funny. Uh, this little troll thought that I, you know, that I would just read this email. <sighs> Wanting me to wish their friend fill up her panties happy birthday. Oh, come on. I don't have Prince Albert in a can, and my refrigerator is not running. Fill up her panties. Really? This is the shit i got to put up with? Jesus. It's not quite on the level with uh, Robin's creepy sugar daddy story hour, but... It's gross enough. Or I'm looking for IP freely. I mean, geez, how how low can you go, man? Well, I was, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I was expecting, you know, could you wish happy birthday to my friend Mike Michael Hunt? <laughs> All those from The Simpsons, he did a ton of them. Oh, the bartender Bart was always pranking him. You know. So well, I hope you're happy now, strange little internet troll. But do please be advised they're getting caught by the garbage filter. So, you know, right on. <laughs> right on, Washington. Right on, right on. So Scott never did make it back, huh? No, and I don't know what's wrong with his audio. Um, I could hear him. It just sounded like he was in a truckload of cotton. Well, I took, I took his call the other night, and it was like he was a million miles away. And then, what, a couple of nights later, perfect. So it's got to be it's got to be something like with his his um, well head with his headset, however it is. I got to give kudos to Bess Levin and Maggie Coughlin over at Vanity Fair. It's a sign of the times in which we live that now I can open my news reader thingy. And see the following headline. Let's just say it. The GOP is obsessed with penises. From Trump's tiny D moniker to Tucker Carlson's ball tanning, Republicans just can't seem to stop talking about that body part. Is somebody feeling insecure? Yeah, yeah. So... 
Welcome to today. Uh, okay, okay, hi, Matt in San Francisco. I leaned over. <laughs> I can be six years old, too. <laughs> what, what do you call a girl that can't stand up straight? Oh, God, you set that one up. Eileen, right? Yeah. yeah. What do you catch fish in? I don't know. That. Oh, yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> no offense. No, 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 no. That's fine. <laughs> Just keep grabbing the oh, God. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of all of those horrible, horrible, horrible puns. One liner. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, uh, oh, I didn't like junior high school the first time. I don't want to go back. Yeah. It wasn't, I was fat, dumpy, and awkward and got picked on. So it wasn't one of my fondest uh, memories either. So. Yeah. Buster Cherry. Buster it's going to take some brain bleach to get this shit back, back in the dim recesses of my mind again. Well, just watch uh, History of the World Part 2. That should bleach it out. Uh, I don't are know. you done with it? Yeah. I, I'm not. Well, no, I'm not I, done. I'm not. How many episodes are I, there? I don't know. They've been putting, they crank out, what, two every night for the last four nights. So what's that, eight? Yeah. Yeah, and, and they're like I, half hour episodes, right? Yeah. 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 I just, yeah, uh, uh, you're gonna you're gonna do it. You're gonna take one for the team, aren't you, Steve? Yeah, I'll watch it. Watch it all the way to its grim, funny conclusion. Uh, unfunny conclusion. Hell, I listen to Washington Journal, so shit, this should be a walk in the park. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, that is a low blow. The picture in the chat. Oh no, what's Jeremy done? Well, it's Trump, Stormy Daniels, and AOC in the foreground. Stormy Daniels said they had an affair. Donald Trump says they didn't. Uh, who are you going to believe, the fake blonde with the big tits or Stormy Daniels? But I saw that coming. I'm still proud of that line from a few years ago when he showed when he was sitting there in the Magaloco or wherever with the sweaty white polo shirt stuck to him and the first thing that came to my mind was the guy in charge of our B-52s is a 52B. <laughs> oh, I have the sense of humor of a fifth, fifth grader sometimes. We all do. We all do. Don't feel bad. <laughs> but you know what, Roger? That, that, that meme that Jeremy posted is kind of reminiscent of uh, a piece of misogynistic trash that Elon Musk recently poted, posted a meme because apparently he is perpetually, you know, as a, as a guy as, as a guy who got dumped by his own wife and kids, uh, he's perpetually in junior high uh, grievance boy mode. So I posted this this meme. No, not beard. Bear, damn it. I didn't need that much help. Soup. Shut up. So it's a, it's a meme of a... 
it's a meme of a beautiful blonde who is being embraced by like a Kodiak bear. And the text on the meme says, they look so cute and cuddly, but the slightest thing can turn this beautiful creature into something so dangerous and violent that the toughest of men could be killed or maimed for life. Here you can see it cuddling a bear. This is this is what the the the, the, the alleged uh, richest man in the world is doing with his time. And the reference and the reference to the woman in the photo as it. Well, that tells us a lot more about Elon Musk than it tells us about bears or beautiful women. Oh, God, we've started something. Hey, George. Uh, subject line, Bart's call to Moe's bar. Anita Mann. Is Anita Mann there? Yeah. And, of course, the greatest, probably the greatest drag name of all time, Amanda B. Reckoned With. Drag names are great. And apparently terrifying to, you know, Republicans the world over. Pervs. So that's pretty much it for the evening for me. Well, Lauren Boober's going to be a grandma, Karen just told me. I didn't know about that. That poor, that, that poor fetus. <laughs> is, this the, is, is, this, is this the baby she was carrying while she was failing her GED three times? career no. in politics. No, this is her 17-year-old son who knocked up his, at that time, 15-year-old girlfriend. She'll be 16 when the baby's born. But it's so nice that people in the South have such nice family values, and she's thrilled to become a grandmother. <sighs> yeah, she's, she's well... I guess like father, like son. She was 15 uh, when she got that, pregnant. Right. But she'll be 16 before the baby's born. Well, maybe she, maybe, maybe she should, maybe she should meet Bristol Palin and get some parenting tips. <laughs> well, that was certainly catty and trashy, Robin. Oh, uh, no, it was appropriate though. You get a pass. Oh, hey, thank you, Will. Uh, Will in California. Will just got us down to 850. Thank you, Will. Thank you so much. If we could, uh, well, let's see, what would that be? Uh, if we could get down by another $151, we wouldn't have a four-digit fundraising hole come Monday. So, fingers crossed, okay? Thank you, Will. Thank you so much. And yeah, I think I think I'm going to follow through on what I said earlier. Uh, Go and do some Friday night TV watching. And, Sounds like a plan. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I wish I was having something with you know cherry tomatoes and Kalamata olives and. <laughs> yeah. God, you got me thinking. Transpotter. Yeah, Get your you transpotter. Come visit and it is be on me. And you still, I, I, I absolutely insist, Steve. Sooner or later, you and Miss Karen have got to go down to wherever the hell it was that Chris and I went to the. Korean barbecue restaurant. That was one of the best, most enjoyable meals I've ever had. 
Well, do it. Just sitting, you, you know, just that was in Buckhead or no, 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 no. Here? It's like it's like it's incoming or something. Oh shoot, that's we go to we go there all the time. I went there last weekend. Yeah. Uh, let me. We'll have to do it. We have a guest user that just showed up. Uh, yeah. Hi. How y'all doing? Billable. Oh, that's Rick. Yeah. Can you believe that? Um, yeah, I um, I eliminated Skype from my phone, so that's why I'm showing up as a guest user because my phone is all out of capacity. So how do I sound? Okay. Yeah. Pretty good. What, ha- what happened to your phone? Did it crash? Uh, well, I need to get a new one. I just have too much shit loaded. All these concert videos, you know. I mean, uh, you know, we're talking about first world problems, you know. Um, <laughs> so I just have to get a new one. I, I want to get one of those flip phones that kind of come out and it's a big screen, you know. Yeah. Uh, those look pretty cool. Those look pretty good. I've seen a couple of those. A jitterbug? Is that what it's called? Maybe that's it. No. Yeah, like, uh, no. That's what the old farts use. Rick, no, no, Rick like you, you run an Android phone? I do. I have an Android, Are, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. There, there's a dongle you can get that's the uh, U, USB or your phone, the mini USB or USB-C to a standard uh-huh. USB, and then uh-huh. you can get yourself a USB stick, and you can oh. download a whole lot of shit off your phone onto a USB stick and free up some memory. Oh, maybe I should do that. Okay. Um, I but have be real careful phones. when you transfer it. Be real careful okay. when you transfer it okay. because sometimes you transfer and everything goes smooth and you check it and then you delete the shit in your phone or you oh, transfer no. it, delete the shit in your phone and then put the USB stick into your computer and discover it didn't transfer and lose oh, a shit ton of pictures. So yeah, well, be careful with it. I wouldn't want to lose my um, recordings of the Rolling Stones uh, songs, you know, some of the shit I recorded uh, at their at their show. Yeah, roll, roll it to your PC. There's an option yeah, too. Yeah, I need I need to get a new PC. My PC's not working. That's that's all filled up too. It's like the story of my life. But uh, you were all you all were talking about what we're doing this weekend. Um, I got a, I just got a brand new living room set uh, today. It was delivered. Uh, nice. Earlier today. Yeah, um, Ginger was there to accept the delivery and. Um, it's like a nice, um, like a side-by-side, kind of a maybe a eight-foot-long couch, you know, like with, with two sectionals, you know, so you can recline it and sit together. And then there's a separate, like, armchair as well and um, a uh, coffee table that kind of folds up and shit, you know. And then a uh, one of those, um, like, fake uh, fireplaces that, that you can set your TV on. And, um, you know, it could be a space heater. You could just have the flame color, you know. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to uh, checking it out. So it wasn't cheap, but uh, I figured it was time to kind of upgrade, you know. Rick, uh, living large, man. Yeah. Doing, doing my best, doing my Maybe best. Maybe one day I'll be a high-powered attorney and I can live large, well, too. Not, yeah, not, not real high-powered, but the biggest <laughs> problem I have, well, it, it's all on credit, Steve, so there you go. <laughs> I hear the, you, bro. Um, the, the biggest, uh, you know, no interest for like a year. So if I don't pay it off, I'll just go ahead and have to. You know, going to my my retirement and just pay it off that way. But um, the um, what was I going to say here? Um, yeah, so we're going to have movie night. I'm trying to figure out what to uh, what to see. Uh, you know who you know who we met the other night at uh, a Burbank restaurant called the Smokehouse. Um, anybody know who Seth MacFarlane is? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he and three buddies were sitting like uh, next to us at a table, and uh, towards the end of the you know near the end of our meal. Family guy, we were, like, dude. Introduced, introduced to them, and I sort of, um, I sort of stole the thunder. Um, I um, 
Ginger, I guess, had gone to the bathroom and then met somebody uh, who was like, uh, they were like promoting a movie called uh, Martin, uh, Martinis at the Smokehouse or whatever, some kind of a movie that was did, filmed there. Did you get his autograph? Nah, I, I, no, I, 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 I know I, that's difficult, but man, I think it'd be yeah, worse no, no, someday, no. you know? I, um, yeah, I, I sort of stole her thunder because the, like the maitre d' had come and, you know, walked her to the ta- towards their table and he was going to like introduce her to the other guy, not, not to say. hate doing that though, because you feel like a real yeah. tool. Because you feel like a real tool. And, uh, you know, I, I stood up and walked over there without even being invited. And I said, hey, I really liked you. And, you know, in A Million Ways to Die in the West or whatever the movie was, I shook Seth's hand and uh, it kind of pissed off Ginger. But that, you know, we all we all do stupid things occasionally, you know. Um, but um, so it's going to be nice to finally have a nice living room. The biggest problem we have is the cats because we don't want them, like, uh, tearing up the leather furniture. Um and so we uh, we have a we have a dining area next to the uh, living room that we put them in. There are cat trees in there and shit. And um, we have to get one of those gates. Um, right now we just have a uh, like a some drywall and like a sheet that's hung down. But we need to get like a pet gate so we can kind of like prevent them from. Well, Rick, you know he's a it. hell of a singer too. Seth, he can sing just like Frank Sinatra. In fact, oh, I've really? got a. a a CD of him doing Frank covers. I would have loved for you to oh. had that signed by him. Shit. Oh, that thing I'll was send it to rocking. him, and the next time, the next time, uh, the next time Rick and Seth hang out, I'm sure he'll get it done for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. But but uh, it yeah, hadn't it's, got it's that much time. exposure. It probably would have got it, jumped on his radar. You know. Yeah. Hey, yeah, they they were having a good time though. It was, it was fun to watch bet. those four guys uh, interact and stuff. Uh, he ain't worried about the light bill, that's for damn sure. No, that's yeah. Do we, are we going to get another? Are we going to get another season of the Orville? Uh, nope. That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, last yeah. I heard, wasn't in the making. Yeah. We should, but it was such an expensive production. I don't think he can even get even the Hulu to pick up the tab. That'd have been a good question, Rick. God damn it! Why didn't you ask? Yeah. Him? Yeah, it's it, it, it's kind of funny. I, I I was I was at the bar talking to this guy, who's in like show business, and I guess one of his buddies had actually come up with the idea of the Ted movie, and mm-hmm. had pitched it to Seth, and Seth ended up ripping the guy off of the of the idea. <laughs> oh, and I've got uh, Steve. I've got an answer for you from Jude, uh, answering uh, answering your question. Uh, uh, fresh linen for comfort, and tonight watching. Uh, uh, the First Lady on Showtime focuses on three First Ladies, Eleanor Roosevelt, Betty Ford, and Michelle Obama. There's a new one of those out? Apparently so. And, no, no, and no, Jude, no, that's the same one. Oh, okay. Jude before, says uh, all an incredible ex- experience. Ex- yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have Showtime. Um, okay. Um, they are but excellent. But I am waiting. I'm, I'm waiting. Monday. Monday is a new Perry Mason. And of course, I'm counting the days now because we're under a week to the return of Ted Lasso. Oh, there you go. And I got some food porn. Yeah, go Sparky. We're talking about tomatoes. Yeah. Check out that website I just posted. I eat a plate of those sliced plate of those sliced tomatoes every night with a jalapeno ranch dressing on them. Ooh, that'd be nice. They're good. Yeah. They're coming out of Colorado, so clearly they're greenhouse grown. No, they got they got 
They got a big deal in Santa Maria, California, too. Oh, okay. I, I clicked on it, and it, they were talking about being uh, Colorado. But big companies can be anywhere. Well, they got one in Colorado, too, but they're growing them in, in San Maria, too, for California. Who does Rayleigh's be? grocery there's stores. Still green, stock. There's still greenhouse this time of year, no matter what. Yeah, but they use vertical grow. All those beefsteaks look nice. Headquartered in Canada. Well, mucho love to the porch, but I, I got a skeet out of. Well, I'm do, I'm going to do the same. Look. Oh, it's on HBO. I'm sorry. Uh, the the first ladies, it's on HBO. Okay. Are you sure it if originally well, premiered on Showtime? Uh, Jude said HBO, not Showtime. Unless there's a different production, but I doubt it because it had Michelle Obama, Betty Ford, and um, who's the third one? Eleanor Roosevelt. Yes, yes, it has to be the same one. But I could be wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. Well, it's been known to happen to me too, so don't beat yourself up. <laughs> uh, and one last little piece of breaking news: the New York Times uh, just put out an alert. Michael Cohen is going to testify before a grand jury next week in the uh, Stormy Daniels hush money case. That and and that may wind up being the first indictment that comes out. And I don't think I, you know he's not going to be able to keep his mouth shut. Uh, he's he's. Hell, he's liable to he's liable to libel Stormy Daniels along the way. Well, Miss Robin, that. thank you for a great show. Um, I'm going to skedaddle. Good night, everybody. All right, see you, Steve. Thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks to everybody for a great conversation on the front porch this evening. I do so appreciate it. Uh, oh, Steve! It, before you disappear, if you, unless you, this is hilarious. The uh, the Korean barbecue place that I mentioned in Cumming, Georgia, on Buford Road, is the Q Korean Steakhouse. Q, as in you know, Marjorie Trader Q Ball. Q. But. Uh, I think I think you and Miss Karen would have a blast if you went there. So uh, here we are, um, eight fifty to go over the weekend. If anybody wants to help out, pretty please. Thank you. Sorry to constantly be in a state of worry, but that's how it rolls, I guess. It just is. Uh, so we'll be at eleven seventy-five come Monday, unless something miraculous happens and. The number drops between now and Monday. Uh, nothing, well, I don't know. Um, there's a possibility I'll be away from the program on Tuesday. I'll know better by Monday. But thank you all. Thank you to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. We can always use new subscribers. We really can. And, hey, y'all, like and subscribe, please. Press the like button to tune in. Leave a comment on whatever platform you take the podcast. Thank you, thank you. It makes a whale of a difference. Um, it really does. 
and we all so appreciate it. Thank you to our a la carte contributors. Thank you to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you, Roger and Steve and Sparky in the chat room and in the uh, old holler tree. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, headon.live. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, whiterosesociety.org. Thanks to the hardest-working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, crmw.net. 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia. And a proud union shop. The ache Act is coming back. I'll know more soon. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Get your flu shot. Wipe down your surfaces. Help stop the spread of RSV. Wear your masks, especially if you're around maggots. They tend not to be vaccinated. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Carry it with you everywhere you go, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance where at all possible, 15 to 20 feet, like Paul from Parts Unknown says. And, of course, if uh, if somebody comes babbling toward you down the sidewalk saying, we're going to go visit the political prisoners in the D.C. jail, well, avoid Sporkfoot like the plague. Because she is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Later.